It's Tuesday! It is Tuesday, August 8th, 2017. You're listening to the KaidoCast, and I'm Zach Thomas. I'm Dave. I'm Rob. So, uh, full disclosure, um, we already recorded part of this podcast, and now... That's not going up, is it? No. No, that little piece, no. No, that's for for Neokaido subscribers. <laughs> yeah, subscribe to the to the website, donate money and I'll 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 give you what didn't go up. <laughs> we talked about um, our deepest secrets and fears. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> there was I mean, that that pretty much is just Chuck Tingle, like how much we actually love Chuck Tingle. And nobody will ever actually know now that it's gone. Yeah. So what did you do this uh, past week, Dave? Uh, quite a bit. Um, so this weekend, um, I'm sorry, this past weekend, uh, was the first uh, DSA National Convention since the organization kind of ballooned last year. Um, DSA is the Democratic Socialists of America. Um, I meant to go to that, but a lot of work obligations got in the way, so I couldn't. Um, and then I saw all my friends in DSA posting about how awesome it was, and it really bummed me out. Um, so I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna go do my own socialist stuff this weekend. Um, and they were playing a, uh, they were screening, um, Young Marks is the name of the movie, um, (laughs) by the same director as, uh, I Am Not Your Negro, which came out last year and was, uh, Oscar nominated. Um, so I went uh to go check that out it was a cool movie it's kind of one of those movies that assumes you know a lot about the history of it already like i was watching that movie going like i find this exciting because i know the historical context of it but if you don't this would be a really dull movie because essentially it's a series of like men writing letters to each other and i'm like this doesn't make for a good movie <laughs> um yeah. they did their best to try to kind of dramatize the the gravitas of like uh writing yeah, basically, and just kind of, like, <laughs> setting up the stage for what would eventually be, like, a revolution um, in Europe in 1848. I also went to the Museum of Propaganda after the screening of Young Marx. Um, the Museum of Propaganda is more of a, less of a museum and more of a showroom. Um, and, like, I don't know if it's just my own political biases, but a lot of the stuff that they had there as propaganda... Um, I was just like, no, this is true. <laughs> like, <laughs> like they had like this big thing that's like a layer cake on like how capitalism works, and it's like all the workers on the bottom getting exploited, and then like the people above them, like their bosses, um, and then the people above their bosses just kind of like pissing on everyone. And I was like, no, yeah, this is basically it. That's pretty close. I was like, excuse me, you have a exhibit here that's not propaganda. Um, <laughs> I mean, it is propaganda. Propaganda doesn't necessarily mean that it's incorrect. Right. Um, um, I'm sorry, but can can I just go back and say Young Marks is Marky Mark's new name? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mark smoking yeah, a blunt with Detective L. MC oh. Young Marks. <laughs> yeah. Spitting okay, game. Anyway, about the spitting uh, rhymes about the poverty of philosophy. <laughs> um, yes. And other great works. Um. There's a part in the movie at the very end when they're finally sitting, when him and Engels are finally sitting down to write the Communist Manifesto. And, mm-hmm. like, it wasn't that it was directed super well. I mean, it was directed well, but it wasn't so much, like, the direction 
but just like how powerful like the opening of that like manifesto is that like i was just like oh this is like a really good scene because they're just narrating basically what's written in the first paragraph or like the, you know the, the specter of communism is haunting europe um mm-hmm. and i'm like that's a really fucking good image yeah um it's funny too because like when they show the scene of them writing it uh, the before using specter marks used boogeyman and like angles looks at it he's like boogeyman and he just crosses out he's like specter <laughs> And it's just like this would have been a com- there would have been no revolution <laughs> if people were looked at it and like boogie man. <laughs> um Spectre's a lot more of an evocative image. Yeah. Um and then later that night I went to a friend's uh concert. Um he's in a band with two of the members from Thrice. Um which was like for me uh, one of my formative bands growing up cuz they were formed in my hometown. Mm-hmm. Um and to my knowledge, it's a pretty well-known band across the states, but they're really well-known in like California. Um, they were cool. The thing that was that like I didn't anticipate is that this was like literally their first concert. Um, as the band is called Less Art, um, and this is their first concert as Less Art, so there weren't that many people there because they don't know the band. Hmm. Um, yeah. So they played in this room that was literally maybe eight feet by eight feet. Um, as big as a studio roughly yeah about a, the, okay. about the size of a confession booth um and it, it was just dripping like the walls were there's just condensation coming down and because uh, it was a hardcore band um yeah and even like it, you know it's not like the crowd was going super crazy or that there was a big pit or anything it was just mm-hmm. like you combine no circulation with like that kind of size room Mm. um it was especially when young marks walks in like oh yeah. fucking lighting everything's it up. Off. yeah 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 just shooting out his warm champagne um <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it's funny too because like again they're dramatizing the life of Karl marx who's basically known for his writings um yeah. but like obviously it's a biopic so they're like no let's show a lot of his life let's show his relationship with his wife and uh his kids and like um so there's a lot of scenes where it's just like mark's fucking <laughs> great and i'm just like this is something i didn't think would be in this and just but, like confirmed you mark's didn't know fucks. that you yeah you didn't know that you wanted it though no no i'm glad i got it though yeah oh yeah yeah so i'm now. gonna put that i'm gonna incorporate that into my analysis yes that's fucking yeah that's fucking for the people <laughs> he's not fucking for himself um yeah and then last night, uh, my girlfriend and I went to play trivia, uh, like pub trivia. Oh, that's cool. Um, it was fun. I got upset because the quiz master uh, gave me no points when I said that Rhythm is Gonna Get You is a Miami Sound Machine song. And he's like, no, it's Gloria Stefan. I'm like, buddy. <laughs> They're one and the same. Um that's not the, that's the Miami Sound Machine is nothing without Gloria Stefan, but like yeah. everyone knows the Miami Sound Machine as the band Gloria Stefan is in, um, yeah. and wrote and performed "Rhythm Is Gonna Get You." So uh, I had to impart my knowledge onto that poor man, <laughs> and now I'm not allowed back into pub trivia. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so we've been trying to kick you out for years. Yeah. <laughs> It was it was worth it. Um, um, that was my weekend. Hang on before before you go. Oh. Um, something that 
was lost um, forever, but I want you to bring back from uh, our unfortunate fate of Wait, the here, here last. It is. No, 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 not that. Um, I, I kind of wanted you to throw out the whatever that one. Uh, I think it was either an app or a website was called that you said you used to just find something to do. Oh, um, yeah. So the way I, uh, the way I found the, um, the uh, screening was uh this site called uh SF Funcheap. Um mm-hmm. and SF Funcheap is like a specific Bay Area um website where they will just list out mostly all the events going on um in the coming week. So it's like, oh on Friday there's gonna be like a block party here and there's gonna be like a food truck whatever thing here and there's gonna be like free museum day on Sunday and so basically, and it's called fun cheap because the idea being like these are things you can do for relatively cheap or free, mm-hmm. um, and it's just like a cool way to go. Like, oh, we don't know what we want to do this weekend. You can just go on fun cheap and be like, oh, this sounds interesting. They're having some kind of, uh, I don't know, Balkan celebration, and let's go <laughs> dance right. and eat good food. So yeah, um, it's a it's a neat website. Yeah, that, that's cool. I'm I'm jealous of that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the only thing that I'm more jealous of is what Rob has been doing this week. There is absolutely no reason to be jealous of what I've been doing. <laughs> oh yeah, nope. Uh, it's been a little out bit there. of a slow you, week what? for me. Uh, really? Yeah. About the only great thing that happened is that I finally got my new computer built. Uh, hey. Yeah. <laughs> playing video games like a boss. Yeah. Yeah. Is it is it hitting the the performance that you want? Actually, it's exceeding it. I was not expecting. Really? It. Yeah. I mean, I got a 1050 in there. Should be a 1050 Ti, so I'm replacing it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's amazing what a budget card can do these days. It's, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Especially like yeah, the most of the stuff in that the the 10 series or whatever seems pretty good. Like I'm rocking a, a 970, and I mean it's I mean it's really good, but it's pretty uh, comparable to like the lower end of the tens. Right. Um, that's cool. Anything? Anything else? Did you? Uh, did you fun cheap? Uh, no, I did not fun cheap, but I did fun uh, free. Ah. <laughs> ah, yeah. I uh, don't have a way to follow that joke up. I didn't really do much this week. Ah, darn. Yeah. <laughs> you saw a ghost. Just say that. Oh yeah, I did see a ghost. Great. The ghost oh, yeah. of my social life. Ha ha ha. The ghost of Chuck Tingle. Yes. Um, so what I've been doing this week. Yeah, what have you been doing? Moving swiftly along. Um, I have two things wrote down. I have, um, I took my glasses off. I don't have any contacts in because I ran out of contacts. That's been a nightmare. I've actually been wearing glasses for uh, like three or four days now. And I usually wear contacts. And I don't know if you remember this, um, Dave, whenever you first got, because you wear glasses, right? Yes. Yeah. Do you remember, like, whenever you first got your glasses, if you had constant headaches? No. Um, I remember it being overwhelming. I never like, that I should, I, I should have had glasses, like, years before I finally got them. Mm-hmm. And I remember being, because I got, how old was I? I was, like, in seventh grade when I finally yeah. got glasses. And I remember, like, on the drive home being like, oh, my God. 
this is what people see when they like <laughs> this is what visions is like yeah i was like what have i been doing like i remember feeling regret like i should have got glasses years ago like because yeah, yeah i needed them since like fourth grade and i just went three years like i'll just sit in the front or <laughs> i'll just run into shit <laughs> like rob you have glasses too yeah i guess i should have asked <laughs> <laughs> So do do you remember like ever having headaches or anything? No, I never had anything like that. Uh, I was really young when I got them, so I don't remember too much. Yeah. I was like five or six. Um, yeah. Yeah. Huh. But my vision so, is fucking awful, so it's like. <laughs> so um, yeah, I I got glasses when I was like I don't know I was in like third grade, and I switched to contacts whenever I hit seventh grade, mm. and um. And ever since I've I've worn contacts, and this year, um, or so I get I'm, I get my contacts on a yearly, um, or like on an annual basis, and um, yeah, so I, I ran out and like I I ordered more, but I ran out and I've been wearing my glasses, and oh my gosh, like I I don't think I could ever go back to glasses, like I'm getting really like bad headaches. And like my ears aren't used to having the the arms sitting on them, right. so I just feel like my ears are getting are getting cut off. And I mean, it doesn't help that like I are have these... metal framed glasses that aren't meant for probably wearing for long periods of time. Are you but... wearing like children's glasses? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like wearing children's glasses because it makes me feel giant. Yeah. Like... <laughs> Like your the arms of your glasses shouldn't be irritating, right? No, it's like I have these Oakley um, metal plate. I think they're just called metal plate, and they're really thin. Like they aren't rounded mm-hmm. or anything. Like they're nice glasses. Like they, I, I feel like I I look all right in them. But holy cow! Like just they're they're so thin that it just feels like my ears are getting cut off. I mean, thankfully I mean, they're not. I most don't likely, think. your prescription's just slightly off. Right. Oh yeah, that's but what's like, giving I, yeah, you a headache. Yeah, as far as the thing that's giving me a headache is, I'm just not used to like the magnification, like being in front of my eyes. Like, mm-hmm. I, like there's a noticeable difference between how everything is magnified from my contacts and my glasses. Because with my glasses, it feels like a almost like a bubble, like effect, like a fish eye. Almost like not like super intense, but like it was enough to win like to where like the first day that I was wearing them again, like I couldn't do like steps <laughs> like like or just walking on regular surface. Like it felt like I had to like step up a lot and like like walking upstairs. I feel like I'm I'm lifting my knees to my chest. Oh, weird. And yeah, I, I, it's like it's it's just giving me weird feelings of place i guess um but yeah so that that's been a nightmare but anyway did you ever have a in grade school like someone come by to check your vision or hearing yes oh yeah i was just talking about that to somebody the other day i was like like do you do you remember whenever we just had like nurses come up to the school and check hearing and and your vision and like your blood pressure just make sure that you're all right like that's really weird i wonder if that still happens it probably does actually who knows yeah. um yeah. <laughs> like just like the budgets the schools have but um yeah like 
I remember the hearing test. I was like, they had to call in my parents because they were afraid that like I was going or was deaf. <laughs> and the actual problem was that when I was taking the hearing test, if anything was super quiet, like if the little beep that you're supposed to press the button when you hear, if yeah. that was too quiet, I just assumed I was hearing the beep from the kid next to me. <laughs> oh my god! I was like, that's way too quiet. That's probably coming out of the kid next to me's earphones. Yeah. <laughs> so I would have So you were only clicking on half of them? So I was basically only clicking on the ones that were like really loud. Yeah. Like not realizing like, oh, they're giving this to us in different decibels to <laughs> see how like our range is. <laughs> I was just like, yeah. So they, they call in my parents are like, he missed like 75% of these. <laughs> and, the, and then they gave it to me again. They're like, okay, if you hear anything. And I did. And then I was like, oh, you're fine. <laughs> my parents are just like shaking their head like an idiot dumb son <laughs> <laughs> really just, uh, sorry doctor sorry for my child I wanted to bring up something that happened this weekend that okay. I forgot to write down um, I was going for a run um, and I ran by these teens they're like they look like maybe 14, 15 okay. <laughs> it was a brother and sister I assume and when I run by the brother, he looks at me, and he, and I'm running at, like, a fairly manageable jogging pace. Um, mm-hmm. Enough for him to kind of look at me, and let's just have this wide-eye, like, Cheshire Cat grin. And then, like, when I walk by, he says, oh, hi, Daddy. <laughs> and then, like, I was just like, hey, and just kept running. <laughs> but I was just like... Why'd that kid call me daddy? Like, his sister immediately started laughing, so clearly they're fucking around, but, like... Yeah. I just thought it was really funny and timely to I be called hate that. a daddy. Oh, yeah. yeah. You always hate what? You're constantly being I, called daddy. Yes. Like, okay. I just can't stand it. My little kids, they all go, no. Like, I hate... Like, me having step-siblings that are very young, like, there's a lot of children that are at my house... Because I'm, I mean, including me, but I'm the oldest. Um, but, like, just, like, a stepsister that's 15 and, like, her friends and stuff. And, they like, they just do weird stuff. And anytime they, like, say something to me and start laughing, I always just assume that they're making fun of me. So I'm just like, Ugh, and just walk away. I'm just <laughs> like, I don't want to deal with you guys. You guys are jerks. <laughs> Quit making fun of me. Like, I, I don't know. Like... Stop just it. like yeah no like uh, i don't know i just i hate i hate teens and their teen antics says the 19 year old <laughs> says the 19 year old yeah you're 19 um i'm about to be okay that's what i see you're still 18 that's what I thought. oh you're still 18 okay soon yes yeah. my my gift you're barely my legal birth, <laughs> yeah my birth yeah Barely legal. Welcome to our barely legal podcast. <laughs> no, we're not going to call this the barely legal podcast. <laughs> not after we had last time. That's sure. Barely the legal whole... is the funniest fucking designation for pornography, right? Because I'm like, what's what is this? Like, they might as well call it almost a pedophile. Like, <laughs> it's like, why do you care how old well, they are? Glass half full, glass half empty. Whatever. It's like amazing how much porn starts with like, yeah, I just turned eighteen. I'm like, gross. Like <laughs> you are a child. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Especially when it like the actresses are like in their mid twenties, and I'm like, just say you're twenty five. You look the same. Like, 
I don't know why, like, you being 18 is supposed to fucking, like, heighten the sensation. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> anyway, the two things that I have wrote down here uh, is fly. As in a fly flying around. Um, and what kind of happened? I'll, I'll go through these pretty quick because we're already, <laughs> like, way in it. Um, All right. Jeff so, <laughs> what? The fly. Oh, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> let me explain to you what a fly is. Um, Very good. So, I was at work, um, and we don't have janitors. We are the janitors. Um, so, I was, I was dust, or I was uh, sweeping the, the floor, and all of a sudden I look down on my dust mop, and there's a fly hanging out. He's just like, kind of walking around looking at, and he's like looking at me. And I'm like, well, what is this fly? Is he just catching a ride? Like, what, what's up with this guy? And so I kind of like kick at him a little bit, and he's, I can tell that he like can't fly, or something, or he's just like trying to communicate with me. And um, so like I kind of kick at him, and he's like walking around, and he kind of falls underneath the dust mop, and then like comes back up. I'm like, what is like, poor guy, and like I was like, this guy's probably like trying to communicate with me, and like understand humans and i'm just being a, a dick and trying to kill him like what if i was that fly so like i pick this fly up and um i have him on my hand like at first he's like running away from my hand and then I, like i pick him up and he's like in my hand and he's kind of chilling he's looking at me and like walking around on my hand and i put him on like a desk or a not a desk uh a counter and i'm like here you go little guy and uh i don't know i just had this like intimate not intimate i had this really like good connection with this little fly dude and i i i got done sweeping and i walked back over there and he kind of like looked at me and uh i imagine that he kind of nodded at me i'm not i'm too big to tell if he did but he kind of like nodded at me very uh very nicely and i was like thanks and uh that's my that was like one of the biggest things that happened to me this past week <laughs> was my interaction with this fly and thinking if I was a fly and this big thing, like I'm just not messing with this big thing, and I and he's like wanting to kill me, I'd be pretty upset. And I'd think very badly of that thing. So How do you know uh, the fly was looking at you. I don't know. He was like they turned have, my like, way. But they can only like move their whole body. So you just mean his body was oriented in your direction. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of like it's not like they're kind of like pushing up. his legs up. Yeah. So yeah. So like. I figured he was looking at me. And I, like, I know he, he was looking at me whenever I came by the second time because he was like turned the other way. And so he, he turned waved. Around. <laughs> yeah, he waved at me. A fly's um, lifespan's only a day long, so like... No, it's not. How long is it? It's like almost a month. A fly? Yeah. I thought a fly lived for like a week. No, tops. yeah, that's like the wives' tale is like they live for a day. Okay. Maybe it's like 18 days. I don't know. I know it's longer than a day. No, but, I know that too. I was, but like, I don't think it's a month. Look that up. It could be a month. It's not two weeks in a month. What's the difference? Um, about a week usually. <laughs> yeah. So according to Google, a housefly lives for approximately twenty-eight days. Oh shit! Uh, you're right. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so the Fair second thing that I have, too. the second thing that I have written down here is Dio, as in deodorant. 
So I bought, um, have you guys ever heard of uh, Every Man Jack? Like, um, like toiletry products, I guess. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that every single brand of products <laughs> that you ask us if we've heard about it, we have not because they are local. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it was they're at like Target and Walmart and stuff. Um, I have not heard of Every Man Jacks. Every Man Jack. I like. I'm. I think that's the name of it. Every like, Man it's Jack. a weird name. Is that a command? Oh, Every Man Jack. What? Not Every Man Jacks. <laughs> yeah, yeah Every Man like, Jack. Every Man Jack. <laughs> yeah, I am Every Man. Um. <laughs> so I bought. I I've had their body. Um, their body wash before. And like I really liked it. Um, like one of the one of their things is that that it's all natural, and um, so I'm like, yeah, I'll be supportive uh, supportive of that. And so I bought the deodorant uh, the other day from Target and or Target. I'm sorry. Um, and <laughs> I tried it out uh, yesterday when when we first recorded, right before we recorded. And let me tell you. One, the bar was like sm- smushy. <laughs> like I don't like I don't know. Like it just kind of pressed into my armpit and just like spread everywhere. And then also, I was like, "Well, that kind of sucks." So I got done like putting it on both armpits, and I started brushing my teeth, and immediately it started burning so bad, uh-huh. like. I don't know, like, my allergies aren't that bad, and I've had, like, deodorant do that before. Right. But, like, holy cow, it was awful. Like, I had to put two towels underneath my arms so I could finish brushing my teeth and sit down and have a podcast with you fools. <laughs> like, wow. like, I don't know. Like it, like, it smelled really good. I smelled, I smelled yeah. great, but I don't <laughs> think it's worth... That's what, that's what counts. Yeah, I don't think it's worth burning my armpits. How's the how's the wetness control? Um it was pretty good, I guess. Um like I don't know. I think I, I tried to wash it off and it stayed there, so that sounds pretty good. All right. Um so no, I, I like I, like I don't know, is, is this an allergy thing? Like have you guys ever had a deodorant burn? No. No. No? Like yeah. I've had it happen before. And like every once in a while, like um, like I'll, I'll feel. There's probably an ingredient you're allergic to, right? Maybe, cause like I don't know, like what I usually use is Old Spice Aqua Reef. It smells really good. Okay. Um, I highly suggest it. <laughs> um, but like that is usually fine, but sometimes it will like burn my armpits. I don't know. Are Maybe you putting should... a lot on? N- not really. I mean, many, I put a lot on of the the Everyman Jack or whatever because, like, it smushed into my arm. But... Is it a gel or is it a uh, powder? Um, it's like a mix like a, between like the two. Like it's okay. white, like like the like the stick, but it's also like I'm. I don't know, it's like squishy and not good. Not like okay. a gel, like something else, something else entirely. Yeah, maybe look in the back and see. <laughs> maybe no, I did because I was like, I wonder if it's supposed to be like this because, like I said, it looks like a like a stick, but it's totally not. Um, I would check if they're FDA approved. Yeah, because a lot of times, like 
all natural goes hand in hand with we didn't get this approved by the FDA. Right. Okay. Um, and then they add like, you know, they say they put aloe or fucking some kind of cactus oil or whatever just to like <laughs> well, make it, it seem says, like it's it really says on the back. You. Yeah, it says on the back um, that it doesn't have. Uh, gosh, I don't actually have it right here. I think it says that it has no aluminum in it. Okay. That's good. Yeah. So I wonder if like it's like a bonding agent for the deodorant or something. I have no clue. Um, as far as this old spice, I have it in front of me. I don't see anything that says FDA approved. So uh, just look it up. Yeah, it's a good. This point. has been the WebMD portion <laughs> of the KaidoCast. Yeah, but I mean, you guys aren't Tune telling me that I have to talk cancer. About a strange growth. <laughs> It's always cancer. Have you ever had a cancer? You're, you're too young. But like, Rob, have you ever had a cancer scare? Nope. No? You've never been like, this has to be cancer. Like, what else is this? I mean, on the other hand, I am a heavy smoker, so <laughs> I guess okay. everything's cancer scare to me. Huh. Right. But that's years away. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, I've definitely had like cysts or things like that I felt in my skin. And I'm like, what could this be other than like a little ball of cancer? Getting ready to kill me. <laughs> and I go to the doctor like, you know, you're fine. This is just like... Stupid. A, this is just your skin. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's gross. But thanks. Yeah, you bring your... your uh, Oh my gosh. I had it. The card. What's it called again? Kaiser card? card? Oh, yes. You bring your Kaiser card and they're like, stupid. You're fine. Um, <laughs> That's basically how they operate. Last time I went to Kaiser... <laughs> I went for, um, God, what was wrong? My chest was hurting. Yeah, that's what and, it was. Yeah. Yeah, and then, like, it, 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 I was in and out of the the hospital for in 10 minutes. And I was like, I don't know if that's good health care because it happened so quickly or if it's bad because it happened so quickly. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I, was, I was confused with the quality of my health care that day. Hmm. Well... Uh, the only healthcare I know is games. Heals all my wounds. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave, how? What have you been prescribed this week? Oh, uh, too much. I might overdose on all the gaming I've been doing. Oh no! Um, it's actually like it was refreshing. This was the first uh, week in about a month that I've actually like put a significant amount of time into gaming. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. I finished two games. I finished uh, Tacoma, and I finished Pyre. Wow. Um, and I played quite a bit of Kingdoms and Castles. Nice. Um, let's see what I want to start with. I'll start with Tacoma. Okay. Um, Tacoma is the new game by Fulbright Studios, the uh, uh, team that brought us uh, Gone Home. Mm-hmm. Um, Tacoma is... Stop me if you've heard this before. Uh, it takes place on stop. a... <laughs> All right. It takes place on a deserted space station where okay. you don't know what happened to the crew. Huh? And there might have been some AI foul play. <gasps> no. Um, so it is a good game. I feel like they were kind of chasing the dragon and trying to recapture kind of what made Gone Home special. Mm-hmm. So um, does it also take place in the early 90s? No. Um, <laughs> although, although, sure. 
Because something about the space station that was interesting was that even though this was a space station, I believe in the year 2088, mm-hmm. um, I think is the year that this takes place, there mm-hmm. were a lot of comforts that looked like they were just ripped out of the 90s. <laughs> Great. So I was just, like, I'm just there like looking. I'm like, people in 2088 still just read paper books? Like, <laughs> or, or, or <laughs> like, you know, books are one thing, but like still have pamphlets and like take notes on post-its and shit and i'm like i like it's not that that stuff won't exist but i'm like this is a space station why don't you just do everything on a fucking tablet or like smart glass or whatever the future is gonna hold for us um so like a lot of stuff just the the setting i mean it's it's like gone home uh a lot of really good set dressing um so it feels lived in and like you know you're reading people's emails and you kind of get a sense of their background and everything like a lot of invasion of privacy um in this game um so basically it's about the story of this crew that um unfortunately there was an incident on their ship where the oxygen levels like basically uh they have two days to evacuate the ship um there's no way for them to leave without sending a distress call. Uh, mm-hmm. But they're afraid that they're not going to get picked up in time. So they have to go into cryo sleep and hope that they can like reconfigure this drone to carry everyone back to the nearest station. Um, and it's basically just dealing with these people. These people already kind of had troubled lives um, because they're all contractors and like the union or, or the, um, the corporation that is... Uh, that sent them out there to work was kind of threatening all of them to like take away their jobs. So th- this is more of a game about unions and uh, corrupt corporations than it is about AI, um, which was refreshing because I was kind of like hesitant at first. Like I was, I was really upset. That I was like another fucking game right. about AI. Not that this yeah. isn't. Not that the AI in this game isn't kind of important to the story, mm-hmm. um, or isn't a well fleshed out character um, or isn't a good representation of AI but I really thought at the, for the first this is a short game too so like of the four hours it took me to finish it like for two of those hours I was like this game is not doing anything um, I haven't seen before right um, and I was kind of surprised I thought like you know Fulbright you know even though they had that one game it was one very solid game that kind of gripped me throughout and this one it wasn't until like the last quarter of the game when the pieces started coming together, that I was like, oh, okay, this is actually a pretty solid narrative. Um, it yeah. just took a while to get there. Um, it's a cool game. Uh, so, I don't think it's going to be talked about as much as Gone Home, but it's yeah. still worth checking out. So, like, what is the actual, like, minute-to-minute gameplay? Like, what are you doing? You are You are scavenging through people's belongings <laughs> and just oh, okay. getting to, and just learning about them. That's the whole game. Like, it's it, exactly like Gone Home. You're looking in drawers and kind of pulling out like, oh, okay, this person took medications. And then you'll read, you'll read their, their emails. They're like, all right, they were having a domestic dispute. Um, or you'll say, oh, you know, like you'll piece things together. So like you'll see that one person bought a timeshare on some space station and then you'll read another email exchange on someone else's computer like an hour later and you'll realize that like that timeshare uh, went bankrupt or whatever. So mm-hmm. you're like, and then you piece it together like, oh, okay. So like now I see why this person was upset. Um, or why they were stressed. Um, The thing that's a little different is that um, kind of in place of audio logs, there are these, uh, you basically have these uh, implants. They're not really implants, but they're these things you put on your neck that let you see kind of projections of the crew. 
and what they were doing at certain times. Basically, the station was just recording all their activities at all times. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you can kind of see like a general outline of where they were and how they were interacting with each other and what they were saying at specific moments. Um, And that stuff is cool. It's cool that like you'll see a group at a certain time talking and then you'll walk across the ship and you'll be like, all right, this person was saying this over here at this time. But when they came over here, like they changed their tune. Um, it's a kind of yeah. cool way to see how like everyone's interacting and how these stories inter- uh, overlap. Right. Um, it, it, it's a cool game. It's an effective game. It's a short game, so it's not wasting much of your time. Um, I enjoyed it. Like it's it's a good game, but like when when I'm, I'm just like they, there are just are so many derelict space station games out. <laughs> um, you know, like, that I think have done this better. Like, I I would still recommend a game like Soma over this, even though they're going for different things. Um, this isn't a horror game by any means. Right. Um, but, again, even if I was just a... Even within, like, Fulbright's uh, library, I would just tell someone to play Gone Home and then say, like, you'll essentially get that same experience playing Tacoma. Um, yeah. It, it was okay. Like, I was a little let down by it, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Like... I, I was like expecting a little bit more narratively. Yeah, I feel like Gone Home is a pretty tough act to follow. I mean, mm-hmm. they nailed the ending. Think, I think Gone Home works super well in the context of its environment. I think Gone Home used kind of like light horror elements. Right, they um, led you to believe it was a horror game from us. Spoilers right. for Gone Home, but yeah. But they what's good about Gone Home, and like I think what's kind of brilliant about it actually, is how they used the fear from that horror sec like that that sense of dread you kind of feel throughout that game. Right. And they pivot it to make you care about the characters. Yeah. Um and so like it becomes a fear like it just be kind of like this fear and this dread that you're feeling for one reason um kind of pivots and now you're kind of, and then it kind of lets you, it helps you empathize with the characters better. Right. And you can't um, pull that trick twice. So to come Right. Up, yeah. Yeah, and Tacoma doesn't even, like, it's one of those things where, like, this doesn't even really need to take place on a space station. Like, it's, it's I guess, just for the technology that's used in the game and how yeah. you're interacting with the world. Like, it just makes, because, you know, like, unless I am mistaken, we don't have technology that lets people record, like, literally their bodies, like, interactions. And, I mean, there's video cameras, but <laughs> um, you can't interact with that, like, face-to-face. We don't have hologram technology on that scale mm-hmm. yet. Yeah. Um, until it's Tupac. <laughs> and yeah, pretty much. Um, it, it's cool, but um, I don't know. It, it, it didn't stick with me. Um, if you're a big fan of Gone Home, I would recommend it. It's not, you know, it's 20 bucks. Yeah, I'll probably check it out. Um, it's cool, but yeah, it's not the Gone Home follow-up that I think people wanted. Um, not that it has to be. Like, I think it's yeah. always, I think it's unfair, you know, for any medium, whether it's music or movies or whatever, to always expect a team or a band or whatever to always be topping themselves right it's just like no allow them to kind of spread out and find what they're good at and what they want to do and if they want to tell this narrative that's fine exactly um so don't i I don't want to hold anything against it because it wasn't as good as gone home that's just um my own fault for thinking that they were like always going to be topping themselves yeah um i i think um greg uh kasavin he was in an uh game informer interview mm-hmm. with uh, Ben Hansen and he kind of like uh Ben Hansen kind of asked him like so are like 
every time you approach a project, are you just saying like, oh, this one's going to be like way better than the last one? He's like, no, not really. Like, we're just trying to do the best that we can. You know, like we're not trying to say right. like, oh, like this is going to be ten times better than Transistor, and Transistor is going to be ten times better than uh, Bastion. Like that game that right. you, that we made years ago. Yeah, that's crap. Play this one. Like, and I right. think like he approached it really well. Um, like as as far as like that, where it's like, is it better than Gone Home? Is it like, it's like, well, we're not really like thinking of them even on the same level. Like, uh, especially with uh, Super Giant, like they they make such different games from each other. Right. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I think he like if you if you want to hear a good answer to like like games from studios, like if if they're shooting for one to be better than the other, and like how they think of that. Uh, I would recommend going and listening to that that interview. Yeah. I think that mentality, at least for me, comes from uh, kind of just growing up with a series and watching it, like, cross generations. Yeah. So it's just like, okay, yeah, I'm a fan of, let's say, Final Fantasy. And then, you know, it comes out on, like, a new platform. And you're like, oh, now it does all this cool shit that it didn't before due to limitations right and then just like seeing that progression and then now kind of expecting everything to kind of follow that including like games that aren't serialized so like even though tacoma is its own product that is not linked to anything else for some reason thinking it's going to be better just because it's by the same company yeah um it, it's a it's a twisted I mean, way of looking at it i mean it's it's a natural way though like because mm-hmm. like as people and like we're always like keeping up with the joneses or whatever <laughs> and like are like as as terrible, nasty Americans, we're always right. trying to keep up, and like we're all always thinking of like, is it better? Like, uh, like I just, I feel like that's natural, and you shouldn't like be, like feel bad for that. But I don't even think my my umbrage with Tacoma isn't that it's better in quotes. It's mm-hmm. that it's kind of the same game. It's a it's it feels very similar. It's a yeah. lot of picking up objects looking at them just kind of turning them around being like this is a really well modeled object right yeah and then like uh putting it that. down and then just kind of like slowly piecing together the narrative um it's it's that game again yeah um yeah so it's kind of like oh i've seen this before right. um and then i can't help but just like compare it to other games that are about space stations and ai <laughs> um you know like when something like soma or event zero come out like those are just going to be like my gold standards now, um, and though even though yeah, this is a lot more about the people than it is about the events of the narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tacoma's cool, like yeah, uh, pick it up if you uh, enjoyed Gone Home or if you just kind of like stories with. Uh, I guess if I said the kind of narrative, it might be a spoiler. Um, so yeah, I'll just say like if you like if you like narrative focused games. Um, it's worth your time. Okay. Um, I also played Pyre. Uh, Pyre is pretty cool. So we yeah. were just talking about Supergiant. Um, I'm not the biggest Supergiant fan. I thought Bastion was cool. Okay. Like, it didn't really stick with me. I, like, I think I played about half of it, and I was like, this is all right. But I, I, it felt repetitive uh, to a point that I didn't want to see it through. Yeah. Um, it Yeah, like, it just didn't hook me. Like, I probably played... 20 minutes of it and i was just like okay. eh. oh man it's like i don't even yeah i played i played about half of bastion i um, finished it and it's definitely yeah. uh kind of backloaded so that the best parts is near the end really yeah yeah 
But honestly, um, the music is what makes the game. You can just listen to the soundtrack, sure. <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. No, yeah. Pre- presentation has always been their strong suit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it, even like how little Bastion I played, I still remember some of the, like the music from that game. Um, obviously, that art style was really great and how the world constructed itself at the time. Yeah. Um, right. It was gorgeous the, when it came out. Yeah, how the things were narrated as you played them. Like, uh, Supergiant has always been like top shelf with that. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and that's how I felt with Transistor as well. I was like, this is a really beautifully presented game that I am not getting into the mechanics of. Yeah, I yeah. couldn't get into Transistor. Transistor yeah. was in my um, Fundamentals of Art textbook. Really? Yeah. I, <laughs> I, awesome. I, I was like, wait, is that a screenshot? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, that's a <laughs> screenshot of Transistor. They, they are really like the art and the kind of careful curation and like... Because their stuff is very stylized, it's very unique, yeah, but not in a way that's like over the top or oh yeah, kind definitely. of the way that like a No More Heroes or a Persona is, right? Where it's expressive because it's kind of loud. Um, it's somehow subtle but still like its own thing and very beautiful. Like Supergiant are like they are it, masters of their craft. It when feels it comes to natural. It feels totally. natural to what they're making. Like it doesn't feel like over the top, like persona where it's like oh it's like this anime thing it it it, it fits like and in, right. into the story and i think that's like what's so great about it yeah like and it, yeah transistor is really like fantastic uh on the presentation front to the point where like one of my friends has a tattoo transistor uh transistor tattoo because mm-hmm. um, like he just loved the art of that game that much oh yeah that's um, fantastic but yeah, there was just there were so many systems kind of stacked on top of each other um, that just uh, for me didn't click. Maybe if I put a little bit more time into it, it would have. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I didn't like about Transistor is how much lore was kept behind the weapons and like yeah. the items in that game, um, and that stuff just kind of felt uh, it felt like a chore to kind of get the story out of that game. Mm-hmm. Or get more than what's on the surface level of what happens when you if you just watch like the cutscenes and uh, play the game. Yeah, but I mean, uh, was was what was was the stuff on the surface level like? Was it intriguing? It's a cool world. It's definitely like a really unique uh, world that they built. Yeah, because but that's my yeah. that's like my quarrel with uh, like Dark Souls. Mm-hmm. It's like without going super in depth and out of your way to learn more about the world like what is happening in front of you is not the most like intriguing thing in the world like it it, right. it, it just doesn't keep my interest like i mean also does the does the lore of dark souls really matter no but I, it's I really nice to have enjoy the lore of dark souls but i agree that it takes too much work to uh mine it yeah right like and also you're not getting it at a, like a steady pace like you would through one of these smaller games. Oh, especially and, if you're stuck in an area and oh, you're yeah. just like focused on finishing a boss. And um, I think Dark uh, Dark Souls or just the Soul series, kind of um, similar to like the Metroid series, mm-hmm. uh, does a lot of its storytelling just through the design of the world. Yeah. Um, and I think it does that really effectively. So even yeah. if you don't take the time to like read every item and kind of piece together what who characters are and why they matter um you still kind of see like the history of the world kind of like written out um the way metroid does that is also really well done like metroid prime especially 
like beautifully like lays out what basically happened days before you arrived on that planet right Mm -hmm. um without you having to i mean you if you chose to you can read all the descriptions um when you (laughs) scan creatures but even just like looking at it um you get a pretty clear picture of what happens Mm -hmm. um so i think dark souls is like a slightly different case than something like transistor um where i'm not getting a narrative if i am not looking for it Mm -hmm. um and this kind of, you can kind of segue that into Pyre, where Pyre does hide most of its lore in that book that you're given. Yeah. Um, so the story of Pyre is essentially, you are uh, what's called a reader. Uh, you went over this a little bit last week. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're a reader. Yeah. You have uh, the ability to read, which is outlawed. Uh, <laughs> therefore, you're cast into the downside, where you have to participate in the rights, which is magic basketball. Um yes. Gaining intelligence um, from dunks. Right. <laughs> That'll never not be yeah. funny to me. No, that's it's all it and like that's all I did too. Like I rarely threw that ball into the fire. I oh, always yeah, dunked no. it. I, I try to show yeah. my girlfriend a video of um one of the rights just to show her how like cool it was. And mm-hmm. the guy that we were watching on YouTube just was throwing it in. I was like, That's no fun. This guy kinda sucks. <laughs> <laughs> like I understand yeah, that like, you like you get to keep your guy like your player if you just throw it in, but come on. It's like playing NBA right. Jam and just doing layups. Oh, yeah. That's exactly what it is. Right. Right. Um, what I like about Pyre, it, there's a there's a quote of a uh, Ursula Le Guin book, um, The Dispossessed. One of the quotes from someone that reviewed that book was like, well, read, uh, this book is special because everything in it is made up but nothing is filler. Like it's all, it all is important, mm-hmm. um, but it's all fictional. And so it's basically like you have to relearn everything you know about like, uh, or basically like you're, you're given this thing and you're given no, uh, on the surface, no reason to care about it. And like, that's really hard to do. Like getting people to care about a fictional narrative is actually like a really difficult task. When I say fictional, I mean fantasy. Yeah. Um, because like, uh, unlike things that are tied to the real world, people don't have any like existing kind of uh, feelings about it. Yeah, you have to like get people invested in that, and that's kind of a tall task. Yeah. That's why like Game of Thrones is a phenomenon because like that is the first like high fantasy like show that people really care about in mm-hmm. like a, a a huge way. Like obviously like there have been high fantasy shows before, but not to the scale that so many people are watching it. Right. Yeah. Um. And even that, like, still ties a lot of its uh, lore into, like, things like the War of the Roses or things that exist. Um, So what I like about Pyre is that, like, there are so many, like, concepts and just, like, world-building things that are so fantastical and kind of crazy, but, like, really well-explained and really rich. Um, Like, I just love the world that they built for this game. Even though, you like, your interaction with it is pretty limited, like... You're essentially just moving a caravan around a map, um, and you're getting all your lore through, you know, secondhand through either your characters or a book if that that's optional to read. Um, but it's it's all really well done. Um, after after I, it's about fifteen hours to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, after about hour ten, I stopped reading the book because <laughs> it just kept giving me page after page after page after page, and I'm like, I kind of want to see how this ends. Yeah. Um, and the thing that this game did, which um, makes sense, but 
disappointed me a little bit was that it starts to cycle at the end. Um, not even at the end, maybe about halfway through, where you uh, participate in the liberation right, which is the right that allows one of your team members to go free. Mm-hmm. And then it says, cool, congratulations. Now you have to basically go do three more rights and then come back and do another liberation right. And you just keep doing that back and forth. Um, and it reminded me of Bravely Default. Have you guys, either of you played that? No, but uh, I don't no. Yeah, okay, yeah. So Bravely Default was a uh, GRPG on the 3DS yeah. where literally like about maybe three-fourths of the way through the game, it has you replay the game. Um, and it makes you do that, I think three, it's somewhere between like three to seven times. Why? Um, and like, it gives you, so it's, it's a truncated version. It's not like you're replaying everything and obviously like you're higher level. So you're getting through things quicker, Right. but basically like the, the little time paradox that happens in the game makes it such that you have to repeat the event over and over and over. And I did it like once or twice before I was like, fuck this. Like you called this isn't fun at all. Um, I, I was not digging it. Um, and so I got scared when Pyro was like, all right, time to do these rites in this circle. And I was like, no, I I don't want to. So does Um, does it end up like you, like, is it always just you in this caravan, like trekking across the, the, uh, like downside or whatever? To a, to a degree. And then you get a little bit more freedom in kind of your, uh, where you can go. Okay. Later on. Um, not too much. It's like it goes from like you're on a set path with branches to now you can go to like one of three places every time. Uh, um, so it's nothing like huge or sprawling. So do you just become like a team on the road? Essentially, yeah. It turns into like what feels like seasons of the game. Oh, great. Um, so it's impressive in the sense that like the story will react to whether you win or lose and who's on your team and mm-hmm. so given like how many options you have as far as where you can go how many pimp members are on your team and the fact that it's binary win loss and that'll change the direction of the story like there are a lot of like paths you can go in this game yeah which that stuff's really impressive um and what also is a saving grace is that the game gets progressively more challenging and creative with how the rules of the game um so it's not like you're playing the same thing over and over like every time you like so you'll play teams multiple times and so when you play at the same team again like they'll start introducing new tactics um depending on which team you play like some of them might cheat so like one of the teams like gets upset and they're like you know what fuck this we're gonna start closer to the ball so like they'll always have possession of it first great um yeah so which is annoying because like it depends on the makeup of your team but that can be a big uh that can be a real bummer um if your strategy relies on you getting possession of the ball first um you'll start getting these things called titan stars which basically allow you to put modifiers to the game so you'll be like all right um i'll put this modifier on which is if i banish a character they will come back way faster but then i'll get five percent more experience at the end of the game um and you can start stacking those things so like you can make the game really difficult for yourself yeah um, that's kind of a trend there's this one games right um there's this one modifier where like it makes the other team move way faster and be way more strategic and they just demolish you if you turn that on oh, <laughs> like <laughs> all of a sudden they're just like they're, they're they'll do things like they will ru- they will run with the ball and then if you're near them they will pass it to you 
Yeah. Only so that your aura goes away and they'll go and kill you and then take the ball back. See, I started doing that strategy like four games into the thing. I was like, I did it on accident and I was like, oh, I can just do this. (laughs) And so like that really helped. Right. So like they'll start start using strategies like that. Um, It's really cool. Like that game is really fun when like it's fair, (laughs) but like because there are there are some stipulations or some like uh modifications that are just like really fucking unfair mm-hmm. right. like there's one where like they'll just like off the bat banish two of your people and you're like all right well i'm like basically stuck playing defense like especially if you're uh, using a character that's slower yeah um like there are definitely like some top tier characters that you get and some of them are just like like I-, I don't know if you've uh one of the characters you get is like this tree person um and he moves so slow <laughs> and like he know he can do cool things like he can summon uh saplings that will like have their own aura circle so you can kind of like manipulate the field um but like if you're just stuck with him you're like i'm just gonna defend i guess until my other people come back um but like there's there's a lot of strategy in this game like th- i think that's what i like most about this game more than bastion or uh transistor is like i actually enjoy playing this game um yeah. It, it's fun it's a fun like three on three magic basketball game like, <laughs> um it has a lot of cool rules like it, it's presented great like i love the announcer um oh yeah he's awesome yeah like the personality like all the teams you play all have all have unique personalities that's really fun to explore like um you know like they're your rivals but at the same time you're sympathetic because you're all kind of outcasts um the story is cool it gets a little uh, not so much predictable, but it kind of like about a third of the, not a third, maybe like two thirds of the way in, like your team kind of has a goal and then you set off to do that goal and then you do that goal and then the game finishes. <laughs> and I was really expecting there to be at least like a few more twists or like something like was going to like kind of shake up the game a bit. Yeah. But it wasn't, it was just like, all right, well, like you're, you have a goal, like set out to do it and it'll get done. Um, or it won't get done. Like again, a lot of this is uh, based on ha- your win loss ratio and the paths you choose. Mm-hmm. Um, but all in all, like this game has really solid ideas. Like it's really unique. Like uh, this, this was a, this is easily my favorite Super Giants game. Um, every time I'm on that world map and I see like new areas, like they're all so beautiful. I'm just like like easily the best art in any game uh, I've played this year. Like, it's just solid. Like, it's Pyre's a really cool game. Yeah. I can see a lot of people getting turned off by, like, how much reading there is. Yeah, there is a lot. And, like, the, there's a shitload of reading <laughs> in this game. Um, And I can get, I can see, like, people maybe thumbing through that and just being like, I want to just play the next game. Right. Um, but I think it's a solid cast. Uh, Again, Supergiant has a masterful soundtrack. Mm. Oh, um, yeah. The, the soundtrack you know is awesome. Yeah. Even their, like, ambient stuff that, like, like there's just, like, one of the bass riffs of, like, one of the regular, like, songs that plays all the time. Like, it's just been stuck in my head all week. Yeah. It's just, like, a six-note, like, <laughs> loop that's just been in my head. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it really powerful music and um, really fitting and, like, really diverse, too, depending on, like, which teams you're playing and different scenarios. Um, cool game. Pyre fucking rules. Yeah. Like, I have, I've had a lot of fun. Like I have one question. Yeah. One last question. Uh, what did Wait. you name the the girl at the beginning? Faye. What? Yeah. Me too. 
Yeah, well, because, like, you think of fae and you think of, uh, like, store, like, uh, fairies. Yeah. Or, like, that was, like yeah, pygmies that was or whatever. More or less my conclusion that I came to. Yeah, I was just like, I was like, like yeah, this is a forest girl. And, it, like, I don't know, the, the moment that he, the announcer dude goes, fae! I was like, what? <laughs> he says the name oh, yeah. of, of her no matter what I put. That's awesome. H- had I known that the announcer will, like, say her name out loud, I probably would have called her Bay. Yeah. I, I also had that thought. <laughs> yeah. But but uh Bay? Maybe in a maybe in a subsequent playthrough. Yeah. Just um, just to see if he says Bay. Right. I'm, I'm sure he does. I'm sure he Bay. Yeah. Jodariel. Yeah, that, That's a good right. name. He's this is yeah, the the answer in this game is great. Oh yeah. Um and, and like starts uh he, as you, depending on how you're progressing through the game, he'll start talking directly to you. Not you, the player, but you, the reader. Yeah. Um, and he, like, you, you build, like, an interesting relationship with him. Hmm. Um, it's a cool game. I really like the lore of this game. Yeah. Like, yeah. a lot of just really unique world building. It, it's, it's kind of like, I wish that this game, like, the events that led to, like, the world being the way it is, I wish that was its own game. Like, an RPG about the world of Pyre. Where I can interact with it in, like, a more meaningful way. Because there was all these, like, crazy beasts. And you just see, like, the skeletons of them. And you're just like, what the fuck was that thing? Right. (laughs) Like, um, all these really, like, like phenomenal, like, world-shaping events that were going on. And, like, it it was kind of disappointing that you're only interacting with this world via a world map and a basketball game. (laughs) Um, I really would have liked, like, to see more of this world. Um, But it's a cool game. Like... Mm-hmm. I was not really expecting much about this game. I felt like Supergiant was kind of quiet about it. Yeah. And I was like, do they have less confidence about this one? Or are people just kind of more reserved about this? Because Transistor kind of got mixed uh, feedback. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, right. It seems like you were either on the super love it side of the fence or kind of indifferent. Um, so yeah. this is a cool game. Like, um, I guess one other, I, I have one other it. question. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So me being only a few hours into the game, the book is kind of like, I don't know. Did you understand what the book was saying at the very beginning? Like some of the things that, that are in my, my book um, that, that, that's in your, uh, your wagon or whatever. Like, I just don't understand. It's like, there's no, I, I, I like, I don't know. It's just like nonsense almost. It's a lot of, I mean, it's stuff that, off the bat, it's nonsense. Okay, good. Like you don't you don't know the the lore of this world. Yeah, it's was... not until you start like meeting characters and you're like, okay, this is what this meant, or yeah, um, this is like the group that this uh, what are they called? The scribes. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, this scribe represents this group or whatever. Like a lot of that stuff is nonsense until you keep playing and like again, like how much investment you put into reading everything and yeah. listening to all the dialogues and doing all the optional dialogues and like even just looking at the world like kind of sitting and looking at the world map yeah and being like okay i see how this was shaped by this event um like as and maybe that's why this game is cyclical mm-hmm. because like as you do subsequent like uh visits to different areas you're like oh i get this a little bit better yeah um again though it's a lot of lore for for the type of game it is. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like, I, and, and to a point where I think it was kind of to its own fault. Because, like, when I finally got the chance to play, like, the game again, 
I would just be like, all right, how do you fucking pass again? Like, <laughs> how do you? <laughs> yeah. Like, it was just like, it's, it's, it's for every five to 10 minutes of game you're playing, you're watching and reading like 20 to 25 minutes of lore. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a bit. Yeah. Um, and I mean, like so, the game is like simple enough to play, even like when you do kind of have those moments of like, oh, uh, what does this button do? Like, it's simple enough that it only takes you like 30 seconds to figure that back out or like less than that. Right. But I don't know. I think it's once you get to the more difficult matches, Mm. like when teams are actually using strategies and like, and once they start adding modifiers that it becomes like, like that I start wishing, like if I play this more, I would feel more comfortable like Mm -hmm. passing back and forth and, um, you know, knowing where to arrange my characters and even knowing like what makeup uh, of the team I want to use. Cause like all the yeah. characters are so vastly different from each other and you get so few opportunities to see like, Oh, it would make sense to pair Faye with this character because of these attributes. Right. Yeah. Um, there's like, you do have a, you eventually get this orb that has the spirit in it that lets you practice if you want. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to practice outside of the game. I just want to play the game enough yeah. <laughs> that I would have the opportunity to experiment like organically. Mm-hmm. Um, not have to do it like on my downtime. Yeah, and like the orb kind of felt like uh, it kind of felt like spinning my tires along in the game because, like, I mean, yeah, you are like playing enough that you can kind of practice there, and also like I don't want to stop, like, and, and taking in the story. Like, I, I I just I feel like it slowed me down to try to like go into the orb and like get get my guys better or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, that stuff I did. Like, if there was a challenge that was specific to a character and it would give you an item, mm-hmm. I would do those. Um, I would just the practice. But the practice, the actual practice runs. Okay. Like, I never saw a purpose, uh, a reason to do that. Yeah. Um, oh. Cool. Because, yeah, like, th- there is a lot of times where I'm like, I, I, I kind of want the story to pick up a bit and it's taking its sweet time. Yeah. Um, but it's a cool game. It, it requires patience. Um which is something you wouldn't think you need to say about a magic basketball game. <laughs> right. Um yeah. but it's cool. It's it's rewarding. I and I'm glad that I saw it through cuz like about halfway through I was like maybe I don't need to play every cycle of this game. Like I got what Pyre is about. Yeah. Uh, but it definitely it's more fun to play that game as you go later on. Like mm. the, la- the the latter half of matches are way better than the first half. Yeah. So uh two thumbs up. Two thumbs up. Great. Does it two end pretty magic good? Two thumbs up. Um, it ends like does the story have a good conclusion yeah it, it, a lot of it depends on what you choose oh yeah like you have so. a lot of your a lot of your choices and because like you have so many choices the way it ends might not be wholly satisfying to some people i don't want to say it's completely like a fallout ending yeah <laughs> that's kind of like a patchwork of your choices kind of put together yeah um but essentially it, it kind of does the thing that like 80s comedies did where like once you finish the game it's like here's what this person's doing oh, um huh. it does one of those that's and weird. that's dependent on how you play the game yeah um it's cool like it's it, it's satisfying i enjoyed like seeing it through um yeah it's appropriately like epic at points and very serene at others mm-hmm. it's a cool game and then like atmospherically and just uh tonally and the design of the world, like kind of unlike anything else, like kind of how I felt bitter about Tacoma because it's kind of like other games in that genre. 
um, and didn't introduce too much new to the formula. Like, this game feels wholly unique. So, yeah. Go get Pyre. Do it. Unless you unless you despise reading. Right. Games, yeah. In which case, great. do not get Pyre. Magical basketball. <laughs> great dunks and great world building. Yep. Tell me about um, your building of worlds. Dave. Who are you speaking to? <laughs> Dave. <laughs> um, okay, so, yeah. Great segue mm-hmm. into Kingdoms and Castles. Yeah. Um, I talked a little about little bit about it last week um there's not much to say like it's still a very simple city builder for some reason i just i guess because it's we were talking about podcast games and this is uh, city builders are great podcast games right. yeah um so i was just listening to a lot of podcasts and building up my city and like i was kind of curious on what's this game's end game like yeah um what happens when you've built a proper city and you have basically all the structures you can build built um and you have a healthy and happy populace um and, like, I, I was just curious, like, what happens then? Like, is it just build for the sake of building now? Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized that what the game does, basically, is it sends you enemies in waves. And they'll basically just get stronger and stronger. Okay. So, like, oh. you know, I built a city. I was happy with it. And then, like, I was like, oh, the Vikings won't be able to do shit to me now. Because, like, I have all these walls and uh-huh. all these archers. And then the next time the Vikings came, they brought ogres that just tore down the walls. So it's and almost like, like a tower defense. Yeah, that's all. It's like, yeah, it, it's like, and I think that might be what they're going for. They're going for a city building game that you can do really quickly because it's a tower defense game at heart. Wow. Um, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Like yeah and like, yeah, once they, once that part of it kind of becomes revealed, because it's like the waves of enemies are like, you can go 30 to minutes to an hour before there's like a wave of enemies. Oh. Mm-hmm. So it really feels like you get into a groove where you're like, oh, I'm playing a city builder and you kind of like relax. Yeah. And you're, you're, you're focusing on things like granaries or a bakery <laughs> and not thinking about walls. And yeah. then like, you know, ogres come and just burn everything. They just, when they, it's cool because like I'll have like an area like uh, that's dedicated to being like uh, to, to stay uh, forested so mm-hmm. I can have like a constant supply of wood. And then the ogres will just come and, like, destroy all the trees. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit. Or, like, and then the Vikings will come behind and burn down all the houses. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, mm-hmm. And so you build, like, to anticipate for the next wave. But then, like, a dragon will show up. Yeah. Um, that's kind of, that's really so, yeah, cool. Like, I, like, think that, just yeah. I think that's what this game is going way. for. Yeah, it, it is a very, uh, it's a much slower paced tower defense game where yeah. you are really focusing on, like, building uh first and then defending second right um which like there have been games like that before but i think this game streamlines it in a way that uh doesn't require too much of your gray matter (laughs) so you can just focus on your podcasts or whatever else you're doing yeah right um yeah and and again this game i was gonna kind of ask so like how heavy is this game on like the management because that's always been something that's turned me off about like sim city mm-hmm and stuff like I, I don't want to like manage the each like the taxing of my sandwiches. It's more about it's more about placement. Okay. So like once you have built you know a number of homes that have access to like you know a bakery and a marketplace mm-hmm. and whatever else like the citizens need like a church like once you have like that whole once all everyone's needs are satisfied. Like, you don't have to pay attention to them anymore. Like, they're like, all right, I have everything I need to make me happy. Hmm. Um, 
That's... And then so like where you put uh, different buildings will make a difference. So like, oh, these people over here are kind of unhappy. I'll build a tavern and like that works. Or um, there are some really light management sim uh, stuff like, you know, uh, uh, lowering or raising taxes um, or like if people are close to uh, industry, like their houses will become like smoke filled yeah. and they won't like that. So in a very general way, it's almost like a Civ game, kind of magic. A little game. bit, yeah, uh, yeah. Because Civ does put a lot of like, there's there is a lot of a uh, spatial. Uh, let me think. Uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Consideration, kind of like mindful, like mindfulness. Yeah, right. Of like where you are building things and how that uh, relates to like your the happiness of your city. And then once yeah. an hour, um, you get slammed by another country. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, Civ especially, like, you're building just so you have, like, you're building on, like, choke points and everything. Um, Slammed by another country. By Chuck Tingle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not a terribly complex game. Like, I'm curious to see how it develops. Um, yeah. It's a cool game, but, like, I think it has, like, another year before it's feature, like, feature rich. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, not too much more to say about that. Cool. It's a cool game if you're looking for a city builder slash tower defense game. Hmm. Yeah, I might I might check that out. Um, before we head on to what Rob has been playing, do you guys want to take a quick break? Yes. Sure. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> Rob, what have you been playing? I have been playing a couple of games, uh, neither of which I'm very far in, so these kind of initial okay. impressions. But I've been playing Prey, not to be confused with mm-hmm. Prey, okay. or Prey 2. No, I didn't. <laughs> so yeah, Oops, sorry about that, a little mic issue. So Ghosts. yeah, Prey, uh, yeah, <laughs> is, well, have you guys played it? The new yes. one, no. Yeah. Well, if you play Deus Ex, you play Prey, the new Prey. <laughs> oh, then yes. Yeah, it's <laughs> very similar to an almost absurd or, degree. Or Bioshock. Yeah, very Bioshock, too. Um, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's, I mean, I love that yeah. kind of subgenre of game. Yeah. But it kind of doesn't do enough to differentiate itself from those games. It has, yeah. it's like maybe two or three gimmicks. And this is so far in the game. I've played maybe five hours, so I'm very... Mm-hmm. Um, but it has, like, three major gimmicks. The first gimmick is the glue gun, which is yeah. kind of a weapon and a traversal object. So, like, let's say you see um, a platform you want to get to, you can't get to it. You fire the glue gun in a certain way, and it'll kind of create stairs out of the glue. Yeah. And it's also used for uh, kind of slowing down enemies, which are very, very fast in this game. Like, yeah. almost ludicrously so. It's my one major complaint is that the combat is not good. Um, and the other yeah, two... Yeah, I... Oh, I, go ahead. I don't know. Like, the combat 
seemed fine. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's um, like functional. Like I I don't know. I don't remember if I actually talked about Prey on on the podcast whenever I was playing through it, but I just don't think that game is very good. Yeah, it's it has some great I'll, things. I'll let going you continue. I'll let no, you continue I totally with, agree, yeah. Um like Yeah, I I mean, I don't know. It's just there's okay have you had that moment yet because this is the thing that stuck with me from prey there Mm -hmm. was a moment where i was like oh yeah i can get around in a lot of different ways like at the very beginning it tells you like hey you have options here like you can go through this vent or go through the door and it's like okay really like those are my options really (laughs) like that's nothing and then there was a moment there where in Prey, like, you can gain the, the Typhon abilities, which are the aliens. Yeah. And, like, you're, you know, you're you're going through the space station, <laughs> second space station. Um, it's right next to the one from Tacoma. And, uh, <laughs> or it, it, I'm sure the, the space station in Tacoma is called the, the Tacoma. Uh, yes. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> so... You're in the space station that's like locked down in a lot in a lot of different ways, and it's very open. Like you kind of progress at your own pace, but I mean it's also kind of tied to the story. And um, there are like a lot of different places you can go. Like it's very open. Yeah. And there, there, there was a moment, and and um and pray where I was looking at a door with uh, like there's a there's a few doors in that first hub that have like the door is broken and it's in like pieces and I'm sitting there like, okay, like how do I get in there? Um, like, I, I don't understand like how to get through these doors. And I think I kind of figured out a, like a way to get in there, like from a, a different path. But then there was a moment in pray where I looked at one of those doors and went, I can turn into a coffee cup right. and just like turned into a coffee cup and went straight into the room. <laughs> And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> this game. Wait. And then, like, I realized that I had a Nerf gun and I could just shoot, like, computer screens. Right. I was like, wait, I can open doors without even getting close to the door. And, like, because there's a window here. And at that moment, the game slapped me in the face and said, gotcha. I don't even know. Like, it was, it was like, oh. And then I played Prey, like, frivolously like for the next like week yeah Um, so have you had that kind of like same experience i did because i left off soon after i got my first um typhon power um yeah and so it's like once you get that and it opens up starts explaining it's like oh i get what this game is now and i don't know if i like it Um, really yeah because the thing is there's a little th- gimmick in the game where if you use Typhon powers, it kind of l- changes how the game treats you. Mm-hmm. Um, like turrets will suddenly not like you and they'll start shooting at you yeah. and all this. And the game is difficult. Yeah, they'll they'll so, start reading you as an alien. Right. And But all the fun powers are in the Typhon menu. Yeah. So it's like, do you want to make this game even harder or do you want it to be less fun? And so it's kind of... Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I will say I love the gimmick of the uh, morphing. That is brilliant mm-hmm. because yeah, it's it's really cool. Yeah, because the cannon fodder enemy in the game, kind of the 
main one you see most of the time is mm-hmm. basically a shapeshifter. So yeah. if you walk to a room and you see, let's say, two coffee cups next to each other, you have no idea if there's an alien there or if it's just set design. So you're yeah. kind of going through and like kind of whacking objects when they look suspicious. <laughs> yeah. And that is brilliant. I love that. Mm-hmm. If I mean, rest, have yeah. you how many hours did you say you are about five or six five or six so you probably don't have that scanner thing yet do you no i don't okay. oh wait yes i do yes i do the um okay yeah the the like eyeglass thing i, I don't even, like it's been a while since i've actually played prey yeah, i forget what it's called um, um psychoscope but, that's what it was yes um that do you have the ability to scan the to see if there there are mimics um I think I either just got it or I'm about to get it. Okay. Yeah. So that kind of upset me. Yeah, it kind of ruins the... Because it's like, it's like the mimics aren't really that hard to kill, so I don't understand why I should, like... Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like they're giving me a little bit too much power in that sense. Which, right. I mean, this game is very focused on, like, power. Like, you... Like, it's almost Metroid-esque and like a way where it's like, Oh, I can't get there yet until I get this power up. And like, you definitely feel more powerful at the end of the game. But I mean, the game does introduce like newer enemies that kind of bring you back down. Yeah. Like how many enemy Uh, types are there? Because I've only seen two in like the six hours. (laughs) Oh man. There's, there's actually a lot. Like you haven't even seen the nightmare yet. And that thing is kind of a nightmare. Oh, that's a relief. Cause who's just two enemies (laughs) would be pissed. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it is a lot of those two enemies, but you know what I just remembered? Um, you don't, you didn't get the pre-order bonus. No. Okay, so that is, I, I do remember talking about Prey on the podcast, um, and I remember t- saying that, like, I felt really overpowered for the first, like, three hours because I had a shotgun. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah, how is that? Like, because I didn't have to, like, scavenge for like the pistol or anything or i like i wasn't just left with my wrench i had a shotgun from the like moment the game said go right honestly it's the wrench is so powerful that if you're using it right you're still overpowered at the beginning okay yeah it's like just hit him with the glue gun and smack him a couple times and you're good yeah <laughs> yeah what are the the bigger typhons called uh um ones? oh god i forget the walking ones yeah um the phantoms yeah um so like even even against them like the wrench is still pretty good i mean i guess like if you actually the pistol is the best weapon for against them i found okay yeah yeah so like if you like i'm sure your folk you have been focused more on like glue this enemy and then shoot it right very bioshock i mean yeah yeah and like that has kind of been the the strategy, the strategy, like up until like I think I got fifteen hours in, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I, I I don't know. There there is a point where like you can manufacture neuro- neuromods, which are the upgrade. Yeah, that stuff. seems very broken. <laughs> um, it's broken to a point, and it's broken until you can't manufacture them anymore. <laughs> it seems like, really easy to get uh, materials, though. Does that change as it goes on? Uh, I don't know. I was using a lot of shotgun shells and yeah. stuff, so I kind of felt like at a point it was like I was just scavenging for that stuff. Um, but there, okay. So I'm gonna tell you why I fell off, which okay. I, I 
I said this a while back, so I'll kind of just hurry along. So there's a moment at the end of the game where or it feels like the end of the game. It's definitely the back half of the game. Uh-huh. And there's a moment where it feels like everything's wrapping up, like you're going to get your conclusion, like, and then the game decides to shoehorn like a whole, like some, uh, an opposing force that has not even been mentioned for the whole game. Oh my God. And it's, it's far enough along and it, it feels like, like you are on the back end of that, the, the like, like the can like you're you've already gone through the uh the climax and everything like it feels like the game is winding down so much so that like this opposing force that has not been talked about just feels shoehorned in and it feels like it, it like instead of making me go oh like i didn't even know about this and it, it's not like clever or anything right it just made me go nope uh-uh i guess i'm done with prey <laughs> because it introduces another enemy also Mm-hmm. And this enemy, well, it's sort of an, an, a new enemy, but this enemy is like kind of not fun to fight at all. Like right. at least with the the uh, the Typhon, you kind of have like a one-two punch of the glue gun and then like a shotgun or sure. like your wrench. But this other enemy is just like, uh, it, it takes too much to try to kill it. And they're kind of unfair, it feels like. Yeah, because like, stealth in that game isn't very good, and so it's... And that that's yeah. the thing about like games like this, is I play... If I can do stealth, I do stealth. Absolutely. Even though I'm not like a great at stealth. Like, even in <laughs> Fallout, like I spec towards stealth, mm-hmm. because like I want to avoid combat. And like Skyrim, or like Elder Scrolls games, like I spec towards stealth. Like, it's a bad habit, because I know the game is more fun if I just like run in and kill stuff. But it's like... I always spec towards stealth. Right. Um, I feel like this game wants you to spec towards stealth, though. Yeah. Yeah, in a way. I I mean, I feel like this game is more focused on you figuring out, like I said, that that one-two punch that works for every enemy. Right. Um, But yeah, I mean, the story's fine. Like, it it is interesting enough to keep you keep you going along but i would i can't wait to hear what you have to say about like you'll know the part (laughs) (laughs) you'll definitely like like i said it's just like a new enemy like is on the station and there's like a new like conflict that i just was not i mean 15 hours in i was like okay i don't want to like i don't know i guess it kind of feels like what what uh dave was talking about with pyre which is like there's a new thing that that is brought to your attention, and then like you have to go through that that right. kind of arc. Um, but yeah, I mean, I didn't mean to steal. Uh, oh your, no, no, that's your fine. spotlight. Like, um, <laughs> um, yeah. What do you think about the music in this game? I thought it was freaking phenomenal. It is. It is really good. It almost... actually no. I take it back. <laughs> <laughs> I take it back. There's one track on that soundtrack, uh, soundtrack that I like, um, and it's that that very first song that plays whenever you're flying in the helicopter. Oh, oh, what was it again? Um, um it's it, the the soundtrack is by Mick Gordon. He's the same guy yeah. that did the Doom soundtrack. Yep. And um, that song is called "Everything Is Going to Be Alright." Yeah, that is. Really and I good. listened to that. I listened to that on like 
<laughs> the the last run that I went on around uh, my neighborhood, I listened to that song on repeat. <laughs> like it, it's really good. Yeah, Mick and Gordon is one like, of the best composers right now. Oh yeah, like well, he's the best at like creating an atmosphere. Yeah, and, like, a f- like he definitely puts a lot of like personality in, into his his music. Absolutely, and like that holds true with like just the ambient sounds and the like. I don't know, like making the space station just feel eerie. Yeah. Yeah, there's a good creepiness to it. A couple of jump scares actually got me, and that's not easy to do oh, to me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, did you ever notice that the music would kick up, um, like even when you didn't feel like you were about to get into a fight? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> like there's one part in, like specifically that I was just like, there's nobody around me. <laughs> like, right. I didn't even like hear a mimic come out because I played the the game with the headphones on, mm. and like I didn't hear anything actually happen except for the music just kick up and it was like, was this intentional? Like, was I supposed to see something that I didn't? <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's basically all I have to say about Prey at this point. Uh, of course, I'll update next week and all that. Uh, yeah, but uh, I, I, I want to so... hear what you think, and I want to hear if if you finish it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, other than that, I've basically, I've actually I've played quite a few games, kind of off and on, just testing out the computer. Yeah. So, uh, but the other main thing I played this week was Mafia Three. I'm also very early into that, but I'm mm-hmm. much more positive on it already. Hmm. Um, Mafia Three is interesting. Like, if you play, okay, the first hold on. Two Mafia- Pray tell. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well done. <laughs> Round of applause for Dave. I should have Thank used you. that on Prey, but... Yeah. yeah. He he woke up and then... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, okay, I'll ask the same question. Have you guys played Mafia 3? No, but I really not, want to. Yeah, not even it looks a cool. little bit. Yeah. How's the, fr- how's the framing work? I heard it's framed it's, like a documentary. It is. At least early on, uh goes a little way from that as it goes on but it still keeps that going i was curious because yeah it's like an open world game so right when would it have those cuts kind of during big story beats that's when it happens yeah because it's very linear uh Mm -hmm. linear Um, how's the bayou represented i've never been to the actual bayou so i assume it's all gators and swamps and uh zataran's rice (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it's pretty accurate in that (laughs) But I know you're an you're an avid viewer of Swamp People. Oh yeah, my favorite show. <laughs> I think it's a show. I've never heard of it. <laughs> oh my. Okay. T- today on <laughs> Zach presents just country shit that no one's heard about. <laughs> you guys haven't heard of Swamp People either. I've heard the name. I have no idea what it's about. No. Shoot him. <laughs> Shoot him. That's awful. All the people have have a. What are they called? Subtitles. They all speak English, and they all have subtitles. That's. I mean, it's no Finding okay. Bigfoot, but what is? Yeah, sorry. Sorry, go on. Bayou is presented tastefully. Yeah. Also presented surprisingly tastefully is uh, abject racism, which is yeah, a big yeah. thing in this game. Yeah. Is it like um, Django? I'm sorry? Is it like Django? Uh, not quite that extreme, but... <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, of course, it takes place in the 60s, mid-60s, I believe. 
and yeah. you play as a uh, biracial man who just came back from the war. And uh, it's not quite clear what his background is. I hope they flesh out on that. Because as the game starts, like right after the opening cutscenes, you're in the middle of a heist, kind of a GTA-style heist, um, trying to get into a bank vault and steal the money inside. Uh, but they don't really tell you why you're there, like why you're in a life of crime, because you seem like a pretty stand-up guy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of we- I assume they're going to fill that in, because storytelling has been good, and I- that would be a weird place to leave a plot hole. But yeah. Um, but yeah, it's really well acted, well animated, well presented. Um great soundtrack. Mm-hmm. The only problem I have with it is that it is an open world ass open world game. You've really? played this game before in a lot of ways. <laughs> great. Would yeah. you could you go deeper into that cuz like the interesting thing about Mafia 2 was that for like the size of its open world, there was nothing to do in it? And yeah. That is the exact same thing here. You have your but, collectibles okay. and all that, and um, right. but yeah, it almost doesn't feel like it needs to be open world. Hmm. Um, it's not like LA Noir level bad. It's fine. It's just the. Yeah, it, I just don't know how else to put it. It's yeah, not, like because in Mafia Two, I remember like. I didn't actually get that into Mafia 2. Like, uh-huh. I started it, like, four times. But my brother actually played a lot of it. And I, I ended up, like, watching him play some of it. And it seemed like the end game for him was literally just, like, pulling, like, small-time robbery on on every store in, in, the, <laughs> in the city. Yeah. And so, like, he would just have, like, a circuit that he went on to, like, every clothing store. It's like, give me your money. All right, run for the police. Next store. <laughs> On right. guard, <laughs> like he like he would like, and then he would he would grab gas, and then very safely drive to the next door, and then rob it. <laughs> but like, I mean, is is it kind of the same thing in Mafia Three, or do you have like side objectives that you can? Fulfill? There are very like again, I'm early, but I haven't seen much in the way of side missions, like okay. at all. It's kind of weird. Um you'll have missions where you have like multiple objectives and you can like do some of them, do all of them, etc. I don't know what effect yeah. it has on the story or if any, but uh, mm-hmm. that's about it for side missions that I've seen. Mm. Yeah. How is it in the way of antics? Antics? Yeah. Cause like, you know, like GTA games, you oh, yeah, waste yeah, hours mean. just trying to do stunts or right. just like, <laughs> Uh, let's see what happens if I put all of these things together and try to blow them up. Right. Uh, Mafia 2 didn't lend itself really to that style of gameplay, or at least experimentation. So and neither does Mafia 3, really. So it's, it's still like kind of like by the book. Right. Like, this is more serious, less... I mean, you definitely do dumb playground. stuff. But yeah. Like, my favorite thing about it is that the cops won't come unless a uh, civilian with an icon over their head saying, oh, I'm going to call the cops, and it manages to get to a phone and complete a phone call. So you can fuck around with so civilians like a all day long. Type of yeah, thing. except even easier to avoid. <laughs> yeah, because that's a run to a payphone or a police yeah. box. Right. Not just like a, a meter filling up over their head. And you have non-lethal attacks on civilians if you're using mm-hmm. melee, which is really funny because they're brutal, but also like... 
Jesus. Like, if you run up behind a civilian and you hit the melee button, he'll grab them by, like, the neck or back of the head, I forget which, and just slam their face into the sidewalk. Oh, my God. Just slam as hard as they can. I didn't know if that, I mean, like, I thought the, the GTA, like, run up behind somebody and Superman punch them was pretty bad, but... Oh, yeah. Just making them eat the freaking ground. Right. Huh? Like, I don't know. As far as, like, antics go in the, the Mafia games, like, I didn't feel, the, like, the need to do any antics in Mafia 2. Yeah, it's so serious like, that you kind of feel yeah, wrong yeah, doing antics, and, yeah. Like, I, I don't know, like, uh, like, I played that game how it was wanting me to play it, which was, like, having your buddy in your car going, whoa, like, the speed limit's 25, slow down, bro. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to go to the speed limit because I'm a loser. <laughs> And I like making my games the same as real life. Right. That's why I hated um, the first Mafia, because they enforce that really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think it's a it's a pretty cool gimmick. Like Sure. I, I don't know. It's it's weird to call it cool just because like you like are playing these games to not like go by the rules of right, reality. You sit at a virtual red light. I mean, you do that in yeah, real life. But like, I totally, yeah, I totally sat at that red light <laughs> yeah. until it turned green. Um, and isn't there a blinker? Can you use your blinker? In the first one? Yeah, I think there was. Okay. Uh huh. Yeah. Thankfully in two like... and three, they really reined that back. Okay. Maybe, maybe, I, I don't know. I, I definitely follow, follow the, the rules of the road. <laughs> yeah. So how's yeah. the how's the overall like gunplay? It's probably my favorite part of the game. It's decent. Um, mm-hmm. There's it's a lot of uh, stealth, light kind of. Um, how would I describe it? You know those stealth missions in GTA Five. Yep. Kind of hiding oh. behind boxes, sneaking around, etc. That's how mm-hmm. it is in this. Except almost okay. every mission has that option. Um, that's neat yeah. but the can... gunplay is really brutal like really brutal <laughs> yeah it's, um yeah often people won't go down in one hit or die quickly they'll like writhe and scream for a while and just like <laughs> yeah wait it's, the, it's not even hatred. like it's not yeah it's not even like max pain where it's like they're just kind of laying there like trying to shoot you they're literally just sitting there screaming right yeah oh it's my gosh <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna ask if it was as bad as Max Payne uh, three, but that oh, sounds no, yeah. <laughs> that sounds maybe worse. It definitely is. Um, Visceral combat, right? It almost feels a little edge lordy too, but thankfully mm. they the tone of the game kind of helps it out. But yeah, hmm. yeah, so definitely cool, check cool. that out. I highly recommend Mafia three. Um, yeah. So, uh, um. Speaking of being at the bayou, you know what they got in the bayou? Uh, um, gators. Pac-Man? Yeah, they got gators, they got swamp people, uh, and they got crawfish. Hover, hoverboats. Well, how do you like Brain. the crawfish cooked? Oh, let me tell you. Like, I like a good like Cajun on it. You know, I get some, some lemon, but sometimes, you know, I get distracted with all these video games that I just let it burn and it gets a little overcooked. There we are. <laughs> that segue was a little overcooked. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I played Overcooked on the Switch and it sucks. Okay. 
<laughs> that's, I mean, that's basically it. Like, at this point, if anybody, like, wants to play Overcooked, there's definitely, like, they've probably heard of the game and have seen it everywhere. Right. Um, but, I mean, just me coming in, do-do-do-do-do-do-do, like, report from the field, um, it kind of is terrible. So, uh, I put my Switch to, to the to the test, and me and my girlfriend went to one of my buddies' house uh, to just kind of hang out for the weekend. And um, he has a Switch, and there were four of us there. So I docked my Switch, I bought Overcooked, and we connected all four Joy-Con to my Switch and uh, started Overcooked. And boy, does that not play very well. <laughs> What's wrong with it? Yeah. Like, okay, yeah. Uh, uh, like, the frame rate for one is awful it's it's uh locked at like a steady uh like 20 frames per second that's almost um, cinematic quality oh yeah 24 sorry <laughs> i meant 24 it's locked at 24 <laughs> because uh you really want to capture that flying spaghetti monster um and like it just doesn't control well like trying to set things down on the counter feels awful like uh like we we got used to it but it was like a, like 5 times out of out of 6 or whatever like 9 times out of 10 is what i'm trying to say i'm terrible um <laughs> 9 times out of 10 like trying to set something down for somebody like across the counter you would set it down to the right of them or to the left of them never like right in front of them and like it i, I don't know it just controls terribly like and it was bad enough that like we couldn't really get into a, like a flow, so there was none of that like yelling. I like I need lettuce. I need tomato. Get me a bun. Like put that on the on the stove. It was a lot of kind of getting upset because like we couldn't like we weren't a very competent kitchen, <laughs> and like, I mean I guess I guess that is kind of the fun of it, but it wasn't in the in the way it should have been. Where it's like you're getting behind on orders. It's like. No, I just can't give you the stupid lettuce, and I can't grab this bowl, and I can like it, it just controls terribly, and like kind of made me sad because it seemed like it would be so much fun if it just worked better, right? But, yeah, so that's that's kind of my piece on Overcooked. Um, it's the game where you roll hot dogs over a fire. No, that's um, that's oh, that Steven Sausage or whatever. Yeah, Steven Sausage Roll. Okay, that's what, for some reason, I was picturing the whole time when we were talking about Overcooked. And then you're like, give me lettuce and buns. I was like, this isn't the same game. No. <laughs> no, not really. All four of We controlled all four appendages. That's one. Yeah. Me and my friends are a very trendy crowd. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say Overcooked is closer to like a Diner Dash, except yeah, that's chaotic. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's, it seems very fun. Um, if you have it on a different system, um, <laughs> which is what I I recommend, because it just didn't, and it, it lends itself so perfectly to that. I mean, it, it kind of sucks that you have to have four Joy-Con, but I mean, still, like with two people, I'm sure it'd be it'd be very fun. And, right. Uh, it's just not because you can't you can't perform the tasks in uh, a very good way. Um, I guess overcooked was a little undercooked. 
Overcooked's a little undercooked. A little uh, a little flat. And um They really gave bland. it to you raw. Yeah, they gave it to me raw. Um and now you're feeling burnt. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I am a little burnt. I I'm a little salty that I spent twenty bucks on this game. It's it's not as uh, flavorful as I was hoping. <laughs> not enough of that good shit. Not enough of the yeah. Oh man, I don't even know if that's. Oh yeah, did we mention think... good shit on the actual? No, podcast? no. <laughs> User, we'll, uh, listener, we'll put a uh, link in the show notes for to you to understand what we mean by good shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, um, you guys want to take a quick break? some news let's talk about news give you some options uh okay let's see uh pick one to three um let's see this is a fun game yeah um usually like waste of our listeners time yeah usually like one is your pacifist and then two is like your anarchist and then three is like your neutral so i'm gonna go with three i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) (laughs) Like but, a like a Mass Effect or something. Okay. Yeah, those like those are the have... two options: as pacifist and anarchist, and then neutral. <laughs> I would love that There's option no in one. Mass Effect. You'd land on a planet, and it's just like help Shepard. It's just like you pick pacifist and leave the planet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't believe in violence. Then the credits roll. <laughs> Live off Sorry. the rest of your days dancing on the Citadel. Yeah. <laughs> um, you said three. Yeah, three neutral. Okay, let's. Uh, this is the oh, longer yeah. story I had on here, but um, so Unsung it. Story is a game which was kickstarted. I want to say three years ago. It was kickstarted in let's see, September of 2013. So almost four years ago. Um, Final Fantasy Tactics producer uh, or director Yasumi Matsuno uh, mm-hmm. announces that he wants to make a new game called Unsung Story. Um, when they announced this Kickstarter, they mentioned that there were going to be two games uh, that would be part of this unso- uh, Unsung Story saga. Um, one would be a digital card game and one would be a strategy game in the vein of Final Fantasy Tactics. Um, I don't know your reverence for Final Fantasy Tactics, uh Zach, but it is fucking beloved. Like people who like tactic tactics really love Final Fantasy Tactics. Be um, honest, uh, I I really don't know anything about it. Okay, um, I got into it a little late. Like it came out, okay. I want to say late nineties, maybe two thousand. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't play it until I don't know the maybe five years ago or so. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't play it through to completion. I had played it before, but not really meaningfully. Um, yeah. it's really good. Even today it holds up. Um, there's obviously like quality of life stuff that's 
a kind of a bummer, like a lot of load times in between fights. Um, not the best uh, translation. Um, mm-hmm. Like good writing, but just some uh, shoddy translation here and there. But overall, yeah. like especially kind of considering tactics games for the time, like really deep, um, just fun. Like overall, like a really cool and, and and for a series that at the time didn't have too many spinoffs, like. It was something kind of unique and special. So, like, Final Fantasy Tactics um, and Ivalice, like, the world it takes place in is probably one of the best Final Fantasy worlds as far as just, like, world building goes Mm -hmm. Um, and just, like, sense of place. Um, And it was used in, you know, future games. So, like, Final Fantasy XII takes place in Ivalice and, like, later Tactics games uh, take place in Ivalice. Um, So, Final Fantasy Tactics is a great game. People are hearing that, like, the director of that game is going to be making a new game. Like, so naturally that game gets kickstarted um, almost immediately. Yeah. Um, so, so was it the, was he like touting that it was going to be the same type of game or uh, essentially? Um, okay. I mean, there, there wasn't much information given other than like, Hey, this dude came out and said he was going to make another game like this. Um, so I said, this game gets kickstarted almost immediately but like now that i'm looking back at like the facts uh it actually took the entire month (laughs) to get kickstarted okay um but in either way like fans are excited about this yeah Uh, even sites like kotaku are like pleading for people to kickstart this game (laughs) um and then it goes through pretty much development hell for the next four years um including like switching what the game is supposed to be at all like going from what looks like a tactical game to what's going to be like a multiplayer only uh like still turn-based but not quite tactical in the sense of like that grid that Mm -hmm. uh final fantasy tactics fans are familiar with um they show like an early development thing that looks kind of miserable and in like no way that style that people came to know and love Mm -hmm. um not that like they were promising that style or that they're beholden to make a game like that. Uh, but people very clearly had like an idea of what they wanted this game to be. Yeah. Um, and like, that's a question you can ask with Kickstarter. Like when you kick, when you back a game that's being kickstarted, like how, how much, how beholden is, are the developers to their backers um, to make like the game that they want to make versus the games that their fans want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that is communications, just like what kind of game are you communicating and what are you saying in your pitch? Are you going back on your promises? Um, so ultimately, this game gets delayed um, over the next four years. Um, Kotaku has pretty much a timeline of uh, all the times they say they're going to announce something and then nothing being announced for like the next four months. Yeah. Um, so I bring this up because on August 1st of this month... Um, Playdeck, which was the company that was uh, bringing this game, um, mm-hmm. they said they're jumping ship. They are oh, really? uh, they're backing out of this. A different uh, company called Little Orbit is going to take over development. Okay. Um, Little Orbit is just a small company that makes licensed games. They've made like Barbie games and Adventure Time games. Um, yeah. So they're scaling it down saying that they're no longer going to be two games like the digital card game and the strategy game they're only going to make the uh single player game Mm -hmm. um 
and they're pretty much, you know, they didn't give a timeline on when they're expecting this to be finished, but essentially, like, what this is, is one long failed Kickstarter, mm-hmm. um, like, unable to fulfill its promises. Like, when it was launched, they were touting that it would come out the following year, and obviously, yeah. like, four or five years had passed. Um, and yeah, like, it got me thinking, you know, Kickstarter, Kickstarter is a strange thing. Because once you start, like, basically soliciting people for support, um, it adds, like, this completely different dynamic to game development. um, On which there are strong arguments on both sides on, like, how much much autonomy the developers should have versus how much they should kind of uh, bend to uh, fan feedback, um, how much accountability they should be held to as far as when they're going to deliver this stuff like because you know the their kickstarter still doesn't really have any kind of punitive measures for failed kickstarters yeah um they pretty much say up front like hey you're develop you're putting money into this and this might not come out ever um mm-hmm. and it's one of those things where like what if a game comes out but comes out three years after and even if it's like of the quality that you want like three years after you, s- someone said they were gonna send you a game that's still shitty, like yeah. Um, and then it goes into like you know expectations on what it takes to make a game. So like, um, if a developer asks for a million dollars, like that's kind of a ludicrous ask, but um, just as an example, that's not necessarily meaning that like the game costs a million dollars. It can cost you know ten times that. Um, yeah. They just need ten million or a million dollars to kind of maybe find a publisher to then sign on with them or mm-hmm. whatever it takes. Um, or it could cost like less. Like totally. Um, I mean, but that's even if it's like two people, you have to pay those two people for the next like however many years it takes to to make your actual game. Right. Like it's yeah the most expensive part is is like paying the people to stay with you it seems yeah. like and that's when bigger projects start to be suspect like mm-hmm. when Shenmue came out and they're like we're making Shenmue A3 and we only need I, what was Shenmue A3's thing like a million uh, it was something like that and like still people were like oh like that's a lot to ask mm-hmm. no not not really <laughs> So let me very quickly check on yeah. what this is. Um, Fact check that. Okay, so my knowledge is that. Okay, so it was two million. Okay. Shenmue A three was kickstarted. I remember. I'm sure you remember. Sony came out at E three, mm-hmm. said we are in some way <laughs> affiliated with this project, yeah. even though we're not publishing it or bringing it out. Go um, fund it. <laughs> yeah, go fund this. Um, Shenmue A three. Asked for two million dollars, it made six point uh, three million dollars. Yeah, so three times its goal. Um, almost seventy thousand backers. Um, but again, a AAA game does not cost six point three million dollars. They cost like twenty to thirty million dollars, like kind yeah. of minimum. Like AAA games mm-hmm. cost a lot of money. Games like GTA cost up to a hundred million. Yeah. Um, and even they like Take Two put out something saying like. Yeah, uh, GTA Six will probably cost more than GTA Five, and we aren't really sure if we're really if we're willing to pay that much. Like, right. I don't know if you saw that article, but like that came out, I think, uh, the day of this recording or maybe yesterday. I haven't seen that yet. 
Okay. That sounds... There are a lot of risks in this industry. Yeah. GTA is not one of them. <laughs> yeah. GTA will always sell more copies than there are humans on this planet. Mm-hmm. Like, to this day, GTA... When the fuck did GTA come out? Like, 2013? Uh, like, yes. five? Yeah. I think so. To this day, it still is on the top 10 Steam charts. It has never yeah. dropped from the top 10 Steam charts and sales. Oh, yeah. It has sold, like, I want to say 90 million copies. Like, that's, yeah. That's it has ridiculous. sold a ludicrous amount of copies. So the idea that Take Two is like, I don't know if this is worth the investment. I'm like, guess what, dudes? <laughs> it is. Like, yeah. Um, you know, say what you want about GTA 5, but one thing that's an absolute certainty is that it will make back the money you put into it. Yeah, they're all swimming in their gold and they're like, uh, I don't know if I want to fill up that five gallon bucket and right. get more gold. Like, I like this gold now. Yeah. And I'm just thinking about just going back to Unsung Story, just kind of like games that I funded um, and just haven't seen anything about, like, updates mm-hmm. for. Um, I'm looking at my history of backed projects. Um, if we want to go on a little tour of my Kickstarted projects. Yes, please. Um, so I backed the Dark Souls board game, which I have, and it is at my office. Okay. Um, I opened it up and I said, this is far too complicated and none of my friends are going to enjoy this. <laughs> so now it is just a cool box full of Dark Souls stuff that I looked at and go, this is well made. <laughs> yeah. Um, Divinity. I bought Halo yeah. Risk and that's exactly how I feel about that. Really? Yes. Is it more complicated than regular Risk? Uh, Far more complicated okay. than regular. It took us... 45 minutes to read the rules and set up the board and then we were like no maybe not oh interesting yeah um sorry no no worries it's so i have uh i backed uh the gamer x year four um kickstarter so gamer x is a uh basically a convention that is focused on uh lgbtq uh developers and games um and like they put on a really cool uh i have some friends who uh put it on um it's a great convention and it's like it just it's a lot of fun and it's yeah. and it's like it is like legitimately a small operation so uh mm. no qualms backing that and this was year four and like they had a precedent of putting these things on and they want to yeah. make them bigger and have bigger attractions every year so yeah that was mm-hmm. a kickstarter had no problem backing um cool. i backed divinity original sin 2 which will come out next month yeah. Um I've already uh put a little bit of time into the uh the beta of that. Um and again no fear that that's going to drop or anything like that or get pushed <laughs> back. Um yeah. most likely that game will devour the rest of my gaming time in 2017. Finally. Um yeah. So Bloodstain Ritual of the Night, which was the spiritual successor to Symphony of the Night. Mhm. So like here is where Again, I start feeling like, hmm, because when that thing was announced, the artwork they were showing looked like a really sweet high-res version of Symphony of the Night. Um, And throughout its development, it has turned into this kind of like muddy, not very attractive 3D side-scroller. That's exactly what I thought whenever I watched the like most recent like video that they put out of it. It's like, this doesn't look very attractive at all. Yeah, when I was, like the art they showed when they were... Uh, pitching it, it was like looked really bright and vibrant and i was really excited for it and then like i played uh so all the backers um, up to a certain level get a uh 
a a build of the uh, basically the E three build. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I was playing. I was like, this isn't. It wasn't even just the style. Like, it didn't feel that fun to play. Like, maybe it does over time, but like, um, I kind of feel like, oh, this wasn't quite what they pitched. I mean, in the sense they they were pitching a Metroidvania, and that's what they've made. Mm-hmm. Um. But I don't know something about the choices they made down the line of the art direction. Like, unless I'm not seeing a bigger picture here, like, uh, I'm not super uh, optimistic about it. Also, I'm looking yeah. here. It says the estimated delivery is March 2017, and we're past that. <laughs> um, although, to be fair, the Divinity Original Sin here says estimated delivery December 2016. So, like, yeah, these these are always obviously like estimates. Yeah. Um, and you're going to run into snags and development and, you know, if, if, up to a year, even a year and a half, like that's reasonable to expect a game to get delayed. Yeah. Um, what else is here? A Earthbound album that I uh, backed and I got that. Um, so it's once we start getting further back, when I start seeing games here where I'm like, I don't know if this will ever come out. Um, the two big ones are Scale. Do you know what Scale is? Uh, no. Scale is a game, so let me open this page up. This, Okay, so this was funded on November 16th of 2013. Scale was kind of pitched as a like portal-like game, where the gimmick was that your gun could size objects. So the idea okay, being I'm like... At a, uh, yeah, you, like, you look at a uh, dollhouse, and then you can blow it up and go into it. Um... Or you see something really large and you can make it really small. Um, so yeah, this was estimated to come out in 2014. It's still not out. Um, I'm Your still getting doesn't work. The website doesn't work, and yeah. I can actually check. So yeah, he updated pretty pretty recently. So in July, here's the, he says here's a video about what we've been up to. Um, let's see. I'll just say quickly, sorry if you assume the worst. I know it's important to keep everyone updated. It was a conscious choice to focus on development. I explained in the video why we chose to go a few months without updating. hope it makes sense. So I haven't watched this video. Um, but apparently it seems to be an apology video for why he hasn't updated in a while. Um, but again, like, yeah, that look, that's a bad look. Yeah. Um, and then one other game uh, I backed called uh, Radio the Universe. Hmm, this was the first game yeah interesting the first game i kickstarted it had a really rad art style and just like a campaign uh and, and it was like it's a a pixel art game so you know my naive 2013 brain thought how hard could this be yeah. um so again i back this and i oh, wow. get very uh incremental updates and, you know, it looks like there's a game there, but nothing that they feel comfortable putting out. It looks really cool. It does look cool. Um, and again, that's not to say that, like, Scale and Radio of the Universe won't be great games, or even Bloodstained. But, like, it's one of those things where, like, <laughs> it's hard to temper expectations or to not, like, get a lot of backlash when you have these, like, great plans that just start burning. Um and yeah, like it's it's made me wonder like how viable Kickstarter is going to be like going forward because it doesn't seem like crowdfunding is going anywhere anytime soon. It seems like people yeah. still go to crowdstarting, but it seems like they're going to things like Indiegogo or whatever, where like they're basically 
there are less promises being made. Yeah. Um, and I, I think crowdfunding is good. Like, mm-hmm. as far as, especially as far as, like, Patreon. Mm-hmm. Like, I really, like, I'm, I don't know. I really like Patreon because it lets me give my money straight to the person I want to. And, right. like, I feel like I'm actually helping out because it's not like, I mean, I'm sure a lot of times they're, they're, they're getting money from other places, too. Like, uh, especially, like, advertisements just with, like, the uh, the nature of the jobs that the people on Patreon do. Like, a lot of times they are doing advertisements also. Right. But, like, I don't know. I, I, I feel a little bit more connected whenever I'm funding a Patreon. And totally. Like, I, that's why, that's, that's what I really like about crowdfunding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I mean, like, on, I, on paper... Crowdfunding is this great idea. It's like here we're gonna make things like that we're directly passionate about. We're going to try to circumvent this rat race of like proving ourselves to publishers or not, you know, taking out a loan that might like bankrupt us. Yeah. Um and you kind of like develop a relationship and you get to like work with the community and um but I don't know, like I guess it's just like there is this weird onus of like accountability um that starts to muddy the waters when it comes to uh kick like and there's it's not like there is a i am championing a side or another um Mm -hmm. but i think like the process needs to change um and how to fix that i don't know but like you know like they're not the the reason that it's important is because like there are people who spend a lot of money on these projects and then like that money just disappears like um you know like scale was a project i thought looked really cool so i was like here's a hundred bucks and like if that game never comes out it's like oh well that was a hundred bucks i guess yeah um, i mean it's it's better than uh the hundred bucks i lost to a uh craigslist scammer mm-hmm. ta- saying that he had uh two super nintendos and some games what did he give and, you uh, uh he gave me nothing okay he how, gave me. How was hope. this exchange? Was this supposed to? Was he supposed to ship you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's that's rough. Yeah, and then uh, I PayPal'd him money, and then PayPal was like, "Was it on eBay?" I was like, "No." Like, well, we can't do anything. Uh, cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and that's not to say that like any of these people are scammers. Like. Yeah. D- it, yeah. Making I a mean, game is so fucking hard. <laughs> yeah um especially when you're a small team and especially when you have people breathing down your neck saying do this quicker mm-hmm. um you know it's like the george R. R. martin like scenario where you have people saying like where's this book yeah um, you know and to a point you say like hey let the person write the book at their own pace but at the other time you're saying like y- you know people are invested in the thing mm-hmm. and like you said that this would be out in 2012 <laughs> Now here we are in twenty seventeen. <laughs> yeah. Um that's all I had to say about that. So Unsung Sorry um it basically is a failed Kickstarter project. Um and once again it's just like another arrow in the crowdfunding heart. Alright, so yeah. we have two more stories, uh or I have two more stories here. Um both they're both basically the same story. <laughs> Um, uh, I'm going to go for, um, um, the more, um, 
Oh my gosh, what did I what did, anarchist? Yeah, I'm gonna go the anarchist route. So number the, two, the two. Yeah. All right. Um, I think you're th- you're thinking of Paragon and Renegade. Nope. No. That's okay. mine. This <laughs> pacifist my and anarchist. Yeah, pacifist um, and anarchist. Anarchist <laughs> is other necessarily mean violence. Huh? Anarchism doesn't necessarily mean violence. You can be a yeah. pacifist and an anarchist. Okay, well, uh, pacifist or serial killer. All right, okay. <laughs> serial killer is what I choose. Okay, I guess that's appropriate since Persona 4 is about a serial killer. Yeah. Uh, Atlas announced uh, a lot of new Persona games. Um, Finally. Yeah, so that's the thing about this series is like, I used to give Final Fantasy a lot of shit for, or Square a lot of shit for kind of milking the fuck out of Final Fantasy. Like, <laughs> which they've done to like, Pretty, but I think every Final Fantasy game has been re-released or remastered. Um, like they've pretty much worked all the way up to thirteen. Like twelve just came out, a remaster of twelve. Um, yeah. And like every other game in some form has been re-released or remastered or rejiggered in some way to resell the games. Um, on top of countless sequels and spin-offs, um, and like you know things people don't ask for, like a thirteen three. Um, yeah. So, and yeah, it used to be like, yeah, the Shin Megami series, no, like, their games are all, like, core, and they're tight, and no filler, and then Persona 4 came out and sold a buttload for Atlas, and so now there are roughly 10 different spinoffs of that game. Great. Um, yeah, so now here we go, we have two new Persona dancing games um, in the in the same suit of Persona 4 dancing all night, we have Persona 3 dancing Moon Knight, and Persona 5 dancing Star Knight. Um, which you know, very creative. I'm not going to harp on like the Shin Megami uh, naming conventions because these games have some of the most complicated like subtitles ever. Like, uh, what is not as bad as the World Tree's Woe and the Blight Below? Almost, which is, <laughs> which is Dragon Age Heroes. I mean, let me tell you what. The first Devil Summoner on PS2 is called. Okay. It's called the full title of it is Shin Megami Tensei Devil Summoner Raidaku Kuzanoha versus the Soulless Army. Okay, yeah, you might have won that one. <laughs> yeah, like, you won this one, but I got Doctor Layton's uh, mystery journal, Ken, <laughs> Kenny, and the the diamond up in the clock tower. That is what it, that is the full title of that game. <laughs> I was showing that game to my girlfriend this morning, and she agreed that the puzzles are bad. <laughs> uh, she's just like, how do you solve this? This is not great. Um, and you said, thank you. I know. Yeah, I was like, I know, like, no doubt. Uh, <laughs> and then she said, oh, that kitty is cute. I'm like, that kitty is cute. Yes, it um, is. Atlas announced two Persona dancing games, uh, which yeah. is rad. Are those good? They're pretty... They're, they are uh, fun. Or that one, I guess. They are, like... As far as like the actual mechanics of the mini of the dancing game go, it's pretty much a, like mm-hmm. you know this thing overlaps with this button, press it on the beat. Yeah. Um, so nothing like super inventive there. Okay. Um, and it's actually a little hard to follow, which isn't always great. All right. Um, if you're like trying to gun for a high score. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as like the presentation of it and like the music itself, like like it makes sense that these games have dancing games because their soundtracks are so revered. Yes. Um, 
And it's just fun to see like these characters who are otherwise in these very dark narratives mm-hmm. just kind of like goofing around. Yeah. Um, it made sense for four because four was more of a lighthearted team. Uh, both three and five are darker games. So like seeing them, these characters dance around is kind of funny. Yeah. Um, but whatever, like it's cool that they're continuing with them. But I am kind of getting this persona fatigue that I never mm-hmm. thought I would get. Um, I told you after I finished five where I was just like, mm, persona needs to take a break. Yeah. Um, but it's super lucrative. And Atlas, it's like, I think this is like the one property keeping Atlas afloat. So yeah, they are uh, going to milk it for all it's worth. I feel like I asked you this last time we talked about persona Atlas also makes, I feel like I saw their name on like demon souls. Is that right? Uh, they published the first demon souls. Okay. Demon souls. The souls games are from software. Yes. And Atlas brought the first demon souls to the States. Oh, so they're uh, they're a developer, but they publish. They do both. Yeah, the Atlas okay. brings a lot. So they'll like, bring. So they're like yeah. Bethesda. Sure. Kind of. Like Atlas will bring uh, some of the more obscure Japanese titles over here and translate them. Hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, it's kind of funny to think that like Atlas might be the reason that like the Souls phenomenon took off at all. Yeah. And they're reaping like none of the benefits. Yeah. Because <laughs> as soon as like. Demon Souls did well. Namco's like, we'll handle the publishing from here. <laughs> um, and that's fine. Nam- Namco's done a fine job uh, publishing yeah. those games stateside. Um, not much more on the Persona front. Like Persona Q also was announced uh, uh, a sequel to Persona Q. Um, Persona Q is like a chibi version of Persona. Hmm. Um, it's cool. Like it was, I enjoyed it. It's like nothing spectacular it's just like oh here are the characters you all know and love and now it's just kind of like a crossover and all i remember is one of the characters eats ice cream (laughs) is this what is like the story is it the story was like there was some there was some kind of event that like crossed these universes together and so like the characters from four and three uh met in this like alternate timeline and they had to help these two other characters like break out of it and also like their school became got taken over by demons um it's just like a light take on what the larger persona games are hmm. um any excuse cool. to make money yeah I, yeah so my other story um the pacifist route which is finally interesting to call it this because it is the most violent story on here um <laughs> danganronpa version three so yes. the third game in the or the third uh canonical game in the danganronpa series uh was banned in south korea and people believe that it is due to a recent murder case in which a 17 year old girl uh was arrested for allegedly murdering and dismembering an eight-year-old oh my god Um, yeah and so when that stuff happens naturally it's going to make the news and when someone tries to publish a game that is about students killing each other that is going to be banned. Yeah. Um, what was the other game that came out fairly recently that they said, like, hey, we're going to hold off for a minute um, hmm. because of the bombings and uh, I can't remember exactly where they were. There was a game that came out recently that mm-hmm. they said, nah, we're, we're going to wait. <laughs> I'm not sure. 
I feel like it was that one uh, like psychological horror shooter game that just came out. Psychological horror shooter game. Yeah. Oh, uh, I'm thinking. No, I'm thinking of Outlast. <laughs> but uh, Outlast is surprising that it's not banned in more places. There's like full on dong in that game. Yeah, there is. Um, yeah. So Danganronpa is banned in South Korea. Um, it's a real disappointment. This series is. Have you played any of the Danganronpas? no they're cool they're like phoenix right um like murder mysteries like they have these crazy intense like courtroom battles where like students will be accusing each other of things and like their statements will come up as like text bubbles and then you like shoot them down and it's like the the, the, the uh cuts are all super dramatic so you're is this the like, one with the really like convoluted timeline uh, i don't think so no. Because this is like a saw. Oh, like, you're thinking of um, the oh, nine, I'm thinking nine. Of Zero Time Dilemma. Of, yeah, Zero Time Dilemma. Uh, yeah, 999. Yeah. That, okay. that, those games are really trippy. <laughs> They're really worth playing. Like, all three of them are just like. <laughs> I don't know like how many like mind blown moments you can fit into a series. <laughs> but, like. It's cool because it's like it's all like really bad pseudoscience that they're using to explain all the all its concepts. Yeah, but like it doesn't like keep any of the reveals from being like just amazing. And like yeah, the way they bend time in that series, and like mm. oh, <laughs> it's it's one of those things where like back at that studio they must have like this crazy map of yeah. just like that looks like like the set of primer <laughs> of like all right if they go this way then it's gonna go out of this timeline and it's like oh it's it's a real mindfuck. Hmm. Um, the Danganronpa games are a lot more straightforward. It's basically like your students that are living together in an area and you are forced to play a game where you have to kill each other. Um, and then like they all kind of progress the same way where the students go like, we're not murderers. And then like one student kind of starts it off. Um, and the people who are running this game, it's like this death cult. Mm-hmm. Um, they give them incentives. So they're like, all right, well, if people don't start killing each other, we're going to start, like, uh, you know, like, revealing your secrets to, you know, people you don't want to see read your secrets yeah. or whatever, or we're going to start, uh, I don't know, like, killing you, like, if you don't kill back. So, like, it's it's kind of... It's Jeremy basically likes the, Christine. Sure. No! <laughs> right. Um, and, like, you know, so not all of the character stories are super well-developed or impactful but for the most part like these games work and they're a mm-hmm. lot of fun to play um and again like i said like just google like any of the courtroom scenes from these games and just like try to keep up what's with with what's going on because <laughs> like they basically turn like a courtroom battle into like a shoot 'em up um there's just all these different things going on they're they're really unique games um and they they have fun with their subject matter um, there's only a few times where I'm like tonally where I'm like I, I don't think this was super well done, but for the most part they're they're great games. Yeah. Um, unless you have a gruesome murder happen in your country, in which case you don't play it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And that's yeah. Like, yeah they're they're afraid they were they specifically called out the South Korean uh, administration committee basically said like we're afraid that this is going to inspire like copycat crimes. Yeah. Which if you play these games is ludicrous thing to say because like 
the murders in these games are so elaborate. Like, there's, they're not, like, a simple, like, oh, yeah, I just snuck up behind him and stabbed him. No, it's like, oh, I hung this thing up like this, and then, like, if they walked in from this angle, like, it, it's really elaborate. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, that was my uh, news. Any questions for me? Uh, let me think. Any me news for me? Uh, I, I mean... I think you uh you rocked the news. Um I I did have a discussion but I think it would be better suited to hold on maybe another week uh for another week. I mean I, I don't know. I guess I'll I'll talk about the root of the discussion which was that um Slime Rancher finally came out and I just thought it was a it's it's always good to um kind of congratulate when, like an early access game that comes out and is like has went through the full cycle and you, like it i don't know like uh it was an early access for a while and it's i'm sure it'd be real easy if after like that game sold uh, it sold fairly well in early access and i'm sure it'd be easy just to be like okay well we're packing up the bags like leaving um, with all all your guys' cash, but I don't, I don't know. I think it's it's really cool whenever a game comes out of early access, and then you kind of realize why it's there. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. There, are like, yeah, we can we can save the discussion. There's a lot of games in early access, and I'm like, all right, any time now, <laughs> any day. Yeah, <laughs> please. Like, you you seem pretty finished. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I mean, they're they're the obvious culprits of just like hanging out in early access, like it's their parents' house. Yep, like me. These deadbeat early access games. Yeah. Um, so go out and make something of yourself. Yeah. What's it called? Arc. 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 I came mean, out they of do early access, right? Yeah, that's still in early access. Really? Wow. Yeah, they just raised the price a few weeks ago. Yeah, <laughs> it's super early access. Yep. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll save that for uh, whenever Rob comes back. He just left the room. We we didn't mention that he got spirited away because <laughs> <laughs> Rob is constantly kidnapped by ghosts and brainwashed and going on these weird dissociative fugues. Um, but then he is wiped clean of all memory of his actions and like as soon brought as he back. sees a microphone he's just and then yeah brought back to his desk and then he goes no oh, it's fine nothing's haunted yeah <laughs> there are there are corpses hanging from like half of the rooms in rob's hotel <laughs> and he is just <laughs> going through the halls whistling swinging the keys around no it's it's uh it's just a, a constant like cycle he records the podcast walks out of his room screams and then is taken hostage by ghosts and then yeah. whenever uh whenever podcast day rolls around he uh gets put back in the seat like, yeah there's a fount of blood rushing down the stairs <laughs> rob takes a look at it he's like mm, must have rust in our pipes again <laughs> and two little girls <laughs> telling him to come play with him 
And he always does. Yeah. We've told him to stop. Yeah. He needs to stop smashing mm. through doors and, and announcing that he's here. Yeah. yeah. Here's Robbie. <laughs> what are you playing this week? What am I playing this week? Um, you know, I don't know. Um, what's coming out? Uh, Hellblade. Hellblade is coming out. Um, I'll probably end up picking that up because that looked really interesting. Um, there's a, a few other ones coming out that I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, I know. Uh, Lawbreakers comes out, doesn't it? Yeah, Lawbreakers comes out. I don't think I'm gonna. I don't know. I might trick Rob into trying that out. I'm. I, I just. It didn't. It looked interesting, and then I was like, then I watched some more of it, and was like, oh, this is Overwatch with a different art style. Right. Pretty much. I mean, that's. I mean, that's a terrible way to look at games, mm-hmm. but. Um, that's just kind of how, how I felt. I was like, oh, like I've kind of seen this game. Maybe I'll make Dave play it. I'll but, see what the reception is. It looks interesting enough. Yeah, and it's free um, to play. I mean, it's not like you're dropping any money on it. Is it free to play? Yeah. It's 30 bucks here on Steam. Oh, never mind. Or at least, like, there's not a free to play option. It just says buy Lawbreakers for 30 bucks. Huh. Yeah. I guess it was free to play. Huh. Um,. Now I'm searching Google. For upcoming releases. There's not anything on your backlog that you wanted to jump into or You know, I've been thinking a lot about Lisa. Hell yeah. Like I need to I, I really need to play that. I mean I started I started Final Fantasy Ten um like for a minute and then realized that I didn't have a PS two memory card and I was like, ah I'm gonna stop. <laughs> Before I get too far, um, I don't know, man. There's a lot of games on on my Steam account that it's just like, like I need to play these. And like I I downloaded that Persona texting app, and I was like, man, I should play finish, <laughs> not play finish. I should app. I should play a little bit of Persona Five. Like I really miss it. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at looking at my PlayStation Four games, um. That are below me. Every time I see MGS5, I'm like, I should finish that. How far did you get? I'm like 70 hours in, but okay. I just have <laughs> played every like side thing, like side op that there is. Like, I, I, I don't even know. Like, there was a point earlier this year where I just played MGS5 as like my podcast game. Right. And... I'm going to tell you right now, it works kind of well if oh, yeah. you just do the side ops. Yeah, I played um, quite a bit of that. Oh, wow. Uh, Hellblade came out already. It came out already? Yeah. Oh, because yeah. it's uh, midnight over there. Yeah. Huh. Um, And then, I don't know, like... I need to finish Pyre. I think I think that's what I'll do this week is I'll finish Pyre. Um, man, I really need to get back into the Night in the Woods. I need to I need to play Next Machina because 
It was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. I need to play more No Man's Sky because I don't know why I do things to myself. I've actually played like a little bit of No Man's Sky here lately, and it's like, oh, yeah, this is a uh, this is nice. <laughs> like I'm one of the <laughs> only people who actually enjoyed No Man's Sky, and was like, oh, I'm very satisfied with this. Not very satisfied, but like I'm reasonably satisfied with the end result. Right. Like I don't know. I felt like That's a little fine. kid sitting in the middle of a a war. Like whenever it came out, I was like, oh, cool. And there's like bullets flying over my head. Only one way though, because Hello Games seems like the most like chill studio. Totally. That's yeah. the sad part. No, yeah. The the backlash to No Man's Sky was ludicrous. Yeah. It's just like this is a small team who lost like a lot of their game in a flood <laughs> recovered it was like pressured well, it didn't even like recover it greatest, they, like yeah, they what, remade it <laughs> i mean like recovered from oh yeah yeah the the flood yeah. to continue working on this game yeah it's ridiculous like, yeah and then sony just kept making promises that like they couldn't keep Mm-hmm. That then all of a sudden they just like shift the blame over to Hello Games like oh no they said that not us yeah it, um, it definitely yeah I've that's <laughs> yeah it's like it's another like, long guys, discussion it's like if you think that somehow the people who brought you Joe Danger were gonna bring you Star Citizen <laughs> like and you and like have it come out right then you guys need to yeah speaking of early access um. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, that's. Um, yeah, I think the what we our takeaway from that and just people complaining about Kickstarter dates and early access are that uh, people don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Yeah, people just somehow assume that they can be like armchair game developers, and their five hours playing a game maker makes them a developer. Yeah, not us. No, we no. know that we can't make games. We we are very keenly aware of our ineptitudes. <laughs> yeah, we can that's barely we make a podcast. Yeah, that's all. That's why this is what we do. Yeah, and um, if you know how to make a game, shoot us some emails. Multiple. You you have to send two, one that says I am a game creator, and then one that says why we only need to be making podcasts. And, uh, you so have to tell to... us if you're a game creator. It's the law. Yes. If you don't, I I am legally able to take you to court. And okay. legally, and and like, it is my civic duty to take you to court. Um, because we let's need not, to know who you let's are. Let's not threaten our listener. Sorry, sir. Hi, Hannah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. there it is. <laughs> it's Zach's mom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and my mom. No, she doesn't listen this far. Okay. I just, oh. if, but if you do, yeah, write in. One other listener. It's KaidoCast at neodokaido.com. We'll talk about anything you want. Yeah. It's a late we'll night. Talk- <laughs> if we record this late again, uh, I don't think I'll make it. <laughs> it's but, only 10 here. Yeah. 
You're right. <laughs> I can go uh, for another two hours. Let's keep going. Oh gosh, I don't. Yeah, there's no way. There's no way. Um, just keep going. All right, I'm no. looking at Max Payne three right now on my uh, Steam energy. library. Let's do a high energy dismount. Okay. Okay. Um, let me uh, take a drink. Here, I'll foley this. You can't hear it, but I was right in the mic, and they'll they'll be able to pick up that that sweet throat noise. Um, yep. Yeah. So if uh, you have an email that you want to send us, or any ideas, or game making stuff, um, <laughs> if you want to save, if you want to send Zach a five hour energy, <laughs> if you want to send me a five hour energy and uh, revive revive my soul. Uh, send it to send it digitally to a uh, kaidocast at neokaido.com um, and thank you very much for listening uh, to this excessive podcast um, you're you're a saint th- yes this has been the kaidocast from neokaido.com and uh, I'm Zach Thomas I'm Dave Thomas we'll catch you next week good night Everything you learn to learn is our friend.